WPOB Global Fans, this is the gentleman Elio Canella reminding you to tune into WPOB Global where we will once again scan the globe for the best in professional wrestling. WPOV Global, don't you dare miss it. What I'd like to have right now is for all you quarantined, social media using, YouTube commenting, keyboard warriors, to keep the noise down. While, While I, show I show you who brings, brings the best, best in wrestling, wrestling podcasts. podcasts. Hit, Hit the, the music. music. Welcome to another edition of WPOV Quarantine. I'm your host, the legend T. James Logan, and today we have another esteemed panel of guests, and we're going to be talking on this Canadian Thanksgiving. So all you American friends going, what the hell are they talking about food? It's Canadian Thanksgiving over here, and uh, today we're going to talk about families. Families and Thanksgiving kind of went together there, but it's an interesting phenomenon in professional wrestling. There, are, As I was kind of researching what I wanted to do about families, I found it kind of breaks down into two categories. You either have a family that was based around a promoter who had a lot of sons or grandsons or whatever and built a family dynasty that way, some very successful, some not successful, some had great fall highs and then fell. And then you get groups of families that are wrestlers. And that's, that's going to be the tricky one to navigate because uh, as I was researching a lot of this, I realized some of the family names I looked up weren't even really families. You found out guys who just took up each other's names. And uh, Andy Anderson would know all about that. But we'll, uh, <laughs> as, we, as we were talking about the Andersons, that's exactly what that is. But, um, so today we're going to be talking about families. And first of all, I'm going to go around the circle here and introduce my guests for today. First, our reoccurring friend, the lone wolf, Andy Anderson. Andy, welcome to the show. Always a pleasure to be here. Ah, the lovely, beautiful Raven Lake, who unfortunately can only stay with us for a little while. Yeah, sorry, I'm at a family dinner, so. We understand, we understand. <laughs> we want to welcome to the show once again, Chief Atakula Kula. Thanks for having me back. That's good to see you, Chief. And our first time was Savio Vega, WWE legend and Hall of Famer. <laughs> Savio, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for the, yes, thank you for the invitation and a, Let's have some uh, turkey, Canadian <laughs> turkey now. Well, this show, you know what, is, uh, is pretty interesting because what we like to do is we just like to talk about wrestling. So that's what we're going to do here. We're going to take up the topics and we're going to talk about stories, things we knew, things we heard. And uh, first of all, we'll do a really quick around the table. We're not going to talk about them fully right here, but I want each person, when you, when you hear families in professional wrestling, what is the number one family that pops up in your mind? Chief Atacula. Um, yeah, there's several, but uh, I would number one. If you had to say one, I would say the Von Erics. Von Erics, fine. Raven. Um, the uh, there's so many. The Flair family. One, yeah, Flair family. Okay, Andy Anderson. This would be a tough one. Are you going to say the Anderson? Oh no, it's easy. The McMahon's. The McMahon's. Excellent, Savio. Oh, uh, the Hearts. The Hearts. All right, Elio. Uh, I was yeah, I see the Harbs and the Von Erics. Wow, of course, the, the, the number one does not seem to work with Elliot. Okay, um, <laughs> um, believe it or not, my favorite family that always pops in my head, and we'll get into them, and it's an odd one to trace, is the Wyndham family. 
and uh, a lot of interesting things in that one. But first of all, uh, let's talk about the Von Erich family. Let's talk, whoa, let's talk about the Von Erich family. And uh, sorry for blinding everyone there for a second. <laughs> um, the Von Erich family, here's the, the example, a great classic example of a wrestler becomes a promoter and then has a, a very large family uh, full of young men who become stars within his circuit. Um, they're an interesting one because a lot of people, especially in America, would consider them uh, one of the most interesting yet tragic stories about families in professional wrestling. Uh, uh, interesting and unique in the fact that they had a world champion in their stable from the NWA by Kerry winning the belt once. Um, they had a promotion that was extremely successful. They had a lot of wrestling sons in, within the promotion and the father who were extremely successful. They also had a few that weren't very successful who were pushed a lot. And then today, to this day, many of those members of those immediate family uh, had tragedies deaths, suicides, and other things like that. Now, Rod, I know I know uh, you know a lot about uh, the Von Erichs. We've talked about that before. So when you what, what do you think about when you think about the Von Erichs, first of all? Of course, I think, yeah, one of the first things that comes to mind with the Von Erichs is tragedy, uh, because all of them except for Kevin are, you know, have, have uh, died in one way or another over the years, tragically, at a young age. Um, but... Um, some very talented people. David was very talented. Uh, I think the most talented one probably of, of the group, even though Kerry ended up being the world champion. Uh, Kevin was very talented, but uh, then, then of course they had Mike and Chris that were probably lesser. I think that that's probably who you were referring to earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately this, in this day and age, this far removed uh, from the eighties, when you think of Ron Eric's, I think most people think tragedy. Mm-hmm. Anyone else want to pipe in about the Von Erichs? Any stories? Any thoughts? I I know for me, and I and I think is I think Savio spent time in Texas, so I'm hoping we'll hear from him. But I know for me, uh, this might be similar to you, uh, James. Is the the for me it was a lot of them from the magazines. You know, I call mm -hmm. them the history books from back in the '80s. So for me, Von Erichs, first thing I think of is Texas, and that's my association there. Um, you know, and I think like a lot of people that you'll probably follow with our podcast. Kerry was kind of the main one once he went from kind of like NWA and world class to, uh, to WWE and kind of had, you know, his run there. Um, it, the, the tragedy is unfortunate. So, I mean, I try to, you know, keep things in a more positive light. So it's, if people say Texas wrestling to me, that's probably the first thing I'll think of is Devon Eriks. Okay. David, David and Kerry uh, and, and uh, Kevin were also very successful in uh, St. Louis for Sam Munchenek. And then, David had a heel run, you know, with Dory Funk Jr. down in Florida. So David was actually probably more well-traveled. And, of course, the Japan trips. Yeah. Really a heel Von Eric. Yeah, he was he, he really would have kind of ventured away much. They all they all used to kind of go up to St. Louis. But, um, yeah, he went, uh, I think it was probably, what was it? Maybe 82 or 83. That, that, that was. 82. That, that was when the. Uh... Yeah, Florida. And he tag team with Dory Funk Jr. He, he was a heel in Florida. And then that's when he went back to Texas. And he brought that's where he, he found gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, and he brought Jimmy Garvin back to Texas to to uh, feud with him. And we actually talked about that feud, I think, a, a few weeks ago. So. so he's the one to blame. Okay. All right. Sorry. Listen. That, that, yeah. That's that's uh, interesting. And uh, those eighties in the eighties, uh, the territories in the United States was alive, and uh, that's when you got the Texas one. And I'm with Andy. 
I, I, I remember, <clears throat> I remember by the magazine, you know, uh, we don't have the, the cable TV yet by the time here. And uh, that, that was the beginning or something like that. And uh, don't see too much, just the, the pro wrestling magazine and, and different mm -hmm. magazines, they show up. Uh, luckily, I was seeing uh, some old timers that, that visit the Capital Sport Promotion, WWC, in that time. And uh, what I know about them is exactly that, world-class wrestling. Uh, you got, you got the, the freaks with the, with the claw and, and what's a, a tremendous stories what they do over there. I, I was like this close to, to wrestle for them when I was in Louisiana for Bill Watts. And I hear, uh, and I hear the guy is talking about the Texas, the Texas, but uh, uh, my run uh, was almost done uh, on the company continue. When I start, when I come back to Puerto Rico, when that's when uh, uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, Jade Disney, Kamala, a few of the guys, Ginger uh, Dog, you know, went to WWF. You know, so that was the uh, uh, the, the movement of these uh, pro wrestlers. And but the story that I hear about the Bong Erics was tremendous, and then I have the chance to see uh, matches. And you see all the three brothers, uh, you know, fighting the, the, the bad guys and, and the people going behind them big time. Uh, I remember one time I see something where the old man come and make a big save and the people went crazy, you know, because they're big time over. And, and I agree. I agree. They're one of the uh, first family of wrestling right there. Okay. Uh, first of all, I, I got to say, we know this as, as things change in the world. The claw has probably been reduced to kind of a goofy uh, past thing in wrestling, except maybe for Lance Archer. Well, well, listen, listen to this. Yeah. Listen to this. I I have the chance now mm -hmm. to work with two of the Bong Erics in MLW. Yes. And when I saw them uh, working the first time, yeah, the first time that I was there, uh, I have the clinic eye with the experience that I I have through the years mm -hmm. and. So soon as I saw them working in the ring, they went to do some jumpings and some spots. I said, cut that. Next time you go to the ring, the first spot we're going to do is try to finish the match in the first second. How are you going to do it? You're going to teach the guy. You're going to tell the people that this is your finish. And the other one is going to run because if you put it on, this is it. So we did it, and soon they went up. The people went, yeah, you know. So you have to do that every day, every day, every day, you know, till yeah. till it work. And that's the way you put you you finish over. Yeah, yeah well, nice. I wasn't actually going to make fun of the thing. I was going to say is it, it's even because of bon Baron von Raschke. I still have my son, my five year old son, runs around giving me the claw all the time, <laughs> and I pretend I, you know, uh, yeah. like oh, I remember, I remember, I, re I remember him Puerto Rico. You got. Kill Carl Brook, yeah, or Kill Carl uh, Crop, or whatever. He come, you know, with the with the just one eye laying, uh, uh, you know, on one side. You got the the stick, the the German boots, and this face, you know, long face. And when he put that, you know, hey, you're going down. So I mean, <laughs> if you sell it, they buy. Oh, excellent, Raven. You got some Von Eric stuff in your head? Uh, not a lot. Honestly, more of a Sean. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, 
there's a great example. Like those guys really built a giant promotion around their sons. And it, it's sort of funny because when you do look at the videos, you see they dominate the entire show. Oh, yeah. And nobody gets mad about it. It, it works, you know, because sometimes you get those big families and you're like, ah, oh, you know, these guys again, you know, we complain about AEW pushing the same three guys, but you know, it worked for the fans. They were like rock stars, these guys. People mauled them. L women were legitimately kissing them as they went down. Yeah. It was pretty cool stuff. And I, you know what? I, I don't know how right on the history is, but I do know if you watch that Von Erich uh, DVD that uh, the WWE put out, the Von Erich story, uh, it's it's interesting and very tragic and, and, and really shows you how big and how quickly things can turn around by what you do. You know, a great example is uh, they talk about two yeah. of the worst things that happened in the Von Erich's uh, uh, show run. One of them, uh, Fritz and his uh, heart attack, which no one believed and, and, and dis disgruntled a lot of fans. And then the second one was the inclusion of the mystery uh, son, who our cousin, who was actually not related to anybody <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and that being last one. Lance Von Erich. <laughs> Do you guys remember yeah. the Lance Von Erich stuff? Yeah, yeah, and the, prob the problem with Lance was is he, he was a local boy who went to high school there in the Dallas area, and, so whatever, every, and he was an athlete. Everybody knew who he was. They knew he wasn't one of the players. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a tough thing back in the days when you were really pushing the reality uh, of wrestling and then have somebody who – I even believe he didn't even compete, I think, a little bit before that under his regular name and then all of a sudden becomes a Von Eric. So. He, he wrestled. He wrestled here mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico. He wrestled here uh, in Puerto Rico. I remember uh, he worked uh, this night with Abdullah the Butcher, and Abby bring a, 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 a hanger, mm -hmm. a hanger, and tie him, actually oh, tie him in a rope. And he he have a good game. Ooh, I can't believe like a fool. Uh, uh, but uh, yes, he come here to Puerto Rico long time ago. I actually do remember, yeah. and, where, and I, where do I know that from? Wrestling magazines. We, me and Andy, that's our encyclopedia. Yeah, you know? the history books. The history books. Yeah. So the Von Erichs, really cool example. If you think of the Von Erichs, let's, let's talk a bit about the Canadian uh, Von Erichs, which would have to be the Hearts. Another big family. We start off with a, a father who was a great yeah. wrestler, starts a promotion, has a bunch of sons. Half of them go on to really big stuff. The other half just sort of disappear into weird obscurities. Uh, what, who wants to talk first about the hearts? Anyone? Uh, Andy, I know you kind of know a lot about the hearts. Go on. Uh, so well, what, what, what I, what, let, let me see something. Yeah. Go, 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 go. Okay. When, what I, what I, about the, always people talk about the, the, the boys talk about uh, they went to, to Canada uh, for the hard enough to go to the dungeon uh, his father just jump on you and beat the hell out of everybody <laughs> I mean uh, I have the chance when uh, when when uh, uh, Owen passed I have the chance to, to visit the house and I went to the dungeon I want to see the dungeon so I went there uh, and and uh, then you have you have Brett, you got Owen, you got Dean. Uh, I forget the other ones. I, I in my first, let me see, my second my second match, Puerto Rico as a professional wrestler with Capital Sport Promotion. When they uh, they see me and they say, well, you go to TV, uh, uh, and, and let's see what you got. So my second match was was with uh, one of the uh, Brett's brother that he was married to a Puerto Rican girl. Uh, big mistake, but 
he was uh, married with with the girl, and uh, <laughs> and that was my second my, my second my second match as a tag team. I I, I can't remember against who we we wrestled, but I I remember that he went to the ring and he forget to take his watch, and I'm I'm just coming from from the the, the streets, you know, into a, a a bigger company, and and that for me was like a wow, you know, uh, this guy's crazy. <laughs> uh, and and then from there, then from there, uh, I just continue. But I have the chance to to wrestle with him in, uh, as a tag team. Excellent, nice. excellent. Now I guess uh, the Hearts were really unique. Yep. Like I grew up in Myers, so this is like this. Is, me talking about the Hearts is sort of like you know uh, Savio talking about the Colognes. I grew up right there on television yeah. every week seeing the Hearts, uh -huh. yeah. and. Uh, you know, I, I remember yeah. Bret Hart before he wow. was signed. And I remember uh, all these kind of things to see growing up watching them. And the hearts were pretty unique, you know. Yeah. Uh, they were just as fun. You didn't wow. get that feeling of like, oh, man, the hearts again. You know, it was like they were like the dominant good guy faction. And the whole promotion was built on factions going up against them, trying to take them out, trying to destroy them, which logically would be kind of ridiculous to take out the guy who owns the money. But hey, we don't go that far into logic when we think wrestling these days. We think of the story. We think of the revenge yeah. and the drama. Let's not think too far. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I've, the hearts really, uh, it was incredible. I mean, I even remember not. I was just starting to watch wrestling. And then when they signed Bret Hart and Jim, Jim Neidhart, um, that was really, and of course, Davey Boy Dynamite was for me the reason I actually started watching WWE a lot more, or WWF at the time, was just to see them, you know. And of course, uh, not seeing a lot of WWF from where I was, it started then, it started to trickle in, and, and I started to see the big things and all the rock and wrestling stuff was going on and all that. But uh, yeah, the hearts really had a thing, and it was so weird because. They were one of those kind of groups where you look back at a lot of wrestlers from the 60s, 70s, and 80s uh, on their resume as being in, in uh, the heart territory. And I can think back, I'm like, wow, yeah, Junkyard Dog was here with a different so-and-so, with a different name. And, and it's kind of incredible to see the, to think back, you can find all these guys who kind of cut their teeth on the start of wrestling. So uh, anyone else got some heart stories you'd like to throw out there? I'll just kind of echo along for, for you because, I mean, when I first started watching wrestling, living in Winnipeg, for me it was the AWA. And then once I moved to Edmonton, uh, that was my kind of first introduction to Stampede because even at that point, uh, Stampede didn't really get much coverage in the wrestling magazine. So there wasn't a lot to, to know. But uh, they, that's right. Like, it was like the Hearts, that was that was the family, that was the stable, and everybody knew it. But I think at the same time, uh, even as, you know, I a young fan that maybe did wasn't as wise to the business, you could still see who the better hearts were. You could still see Brett, you know, Sean, you know, and when Owen came on the scene, you knew Owen was something special. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, Keith, Keith was okay. Uh, but, you know, and, and that's, and I mean, and they were very open about that. I mean, he wasn't yeah. a full-time wrestler, you know, he was part-time, uh, you know, and the rest of them, they would kind of, come in to help out when the hearts needed back up and it became a family thing. Uh, was it Ross? Was that the ref? Yes. Ref. Ro yeah. Okay. Ross, yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, you need to see one of the refs. And I think it was interesting. And I guess maybe, I don't know if it was maybe not to tarnish the heart name or maybe it was, that was just the nature of the business and the booking style. But even with the heart as a ref, there was never really 
I don't really recall ever being too much like of an angle or anything. No, there was, no, there was never an being, angle. Yeah. No, he was pretty like straight down the line, which I think in itself would be pretty cool because in 2020 to have a family member being a ref, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure it would be a matter of weeks before. Oh, weeks, all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be positive here, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's, you know, you, you, you say the, the hearts are the Von Erics of uh, Canada, but maybe it's the Von Erics who are the hearts of uh, the United States. Ooh, nationalism at its best. Rod, you had a counter over there. <laughs> My American friend, do you have any counter to that? <laughs> uh, I did yeah. notice in, in your description, we, 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 pour, we pulled out the Lance Von Erich issue. Uh, I think the closest you could get in the Hart family, the one who was kind of like, Right on the edge of uh, was Bruce Hart, who I noticed you did not mention whatsoever. I, you know what, it, and it just it, it didn't even. It just honestly, that was an honest slip. Whether okay. it was Fro whether it was Freudian or not, I don't know. But it uh, that that was an honest an honest slip. I didn't I didn't omit him on on purpose. It was just because I mean you know what I mean. Even yeah. him, like him with Brian Pillman, you know, for for Bad Company, whether Bad you like them or not. Yeah. I mean, the way they were booked, the way they they were they were pretty over. So it's tough to. Have mm -hmm. to argue with that too. So I mean, you know, you, you hear just like anybody. You hear the stories. You hear the good. You hear the bad. You take them all together. There you have the facts of life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who was going to sing along that in their head? Yeah. Well, Raven came back on. I thought maybe that'd be good timing. Oh, Raven, why aren't you singing the facts of life? Come on. <laughs> That's one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. Actually, I love Tootie. <laughs> no, sorry about that. There was a little miscommunication once that it was. Somebody came out and gave me the wrap it up sign, so I left and I went inside. They're like, "Oh, you got another fifteen minutes." I'm like, "Oh shit!" So <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. That's yeah, a pro not a problem. Do you you have any last things you want to throw in about the Hearts? Uh, just their Canadian legend. I mean, a lot of us that started in wrestling when we were young, you know, followed the Hearts. Mm. So yeah, there's now. I want to skip here because like we're, we're obviously talking about families here that. Uh, that uh, were promoters coming up and, and building around it. Let's let's go random and go into an actual family in wrestling, okay? That wasn't uh, around a promoter base. And uh, let's see. I, I think I would like. I know you mentioned this one earlier, Rod, and maybe it's going back a little. But let's talk about the Fullers because there are two guys who like they contributed a lot to what wrestling is today. But they may yeah. be forgotten by the younger generation right now. They, they actually though were promoters too. Uh, they, well, they were, okay. I just meant they didn't base like a bunch of sons in a promotion. They kind of, you know, yeah. Or, or maybe I'm 100 percent wrong. That always happens they, too. They had Robert and Ron, and then they had the the cousins, and so I mean, mm -hmm. it, uh, there were quite a few members of the family that uh, worked in Continental, and and uh, and uh, Ron Fuller promoted that. You know, was, was the owner for several years. But yeah, the, the Fullers were tremendous. Uh, more people are probably aware in this day and age of, of Robert from WCW because he was, he did the Colonel Parker gimmick, um, Colonel Rob Parker. But, um, but yeah, he was a tremendous heel all across the South. Uh, I, I remember one time being in the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis and, and uh, Robert Fuller, I don't know if they had to kill time or what, but uh, he went out to basically cut a promoter, uh, cut a promo on Jerry Lawler and he got in the ring and he set a steel chair in the middle of the ring folding chair folded it, sat in it, crossed his legs and said, I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to leave until Jerry Lawler comes out. The place 
was going nuts, throwing crap into the ring, yelling at him for 10 minutes. And he just sat there with his legs crossed and his arms crossed and never said another word for 10 minutes. And they were literally filling the ring with trash. That's awesome. <laughs> that's heat. And that was, one of the, that, was the, that's, that's, that was one of the best examples from back in that era in the early minutes, where you could get that much heat and he did hardly nothing. But mm-hmm. he, he, he was that hated. You know, he had, the, he had that much heat in that territory. It was, it was incredible. And I still arrived as, I don't know, I was probably Thanks. 17 years old, 16 years old, and I still remember good- day. Good job. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, okay, so the, the Fullers, you know, I, I think, it, it, Savio, is that, I think Colonel Parker, didn't they keep dropping that MLW that he might be popping up soon? I, I thought that was a storyline before this whole COVID thing started. And I just totally forgot about that to this moment that they've been teasing. He yeah. was there, and he, he was, uh, um, oh, the blondes that Debashi and I wrestled at the Hall of Fame in Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hollywood, no, what were they? You remember the ones, uh, Elio, the big no, blonde guy? I, I, I know, I know who you're talking about. I just don't remember the name. Yeah. And then they broke off the one into a singles guy at the end. Yeah, was it the Dirty Blondes? We just Somebody wrestled in Texas at the Hall of Fame show last year, Um Definitely the Vashi, my tag team partner, we do the world power thing, but we, we worked them in Texas last year. Okay, last okay. And but, um, but yeah, he was managing them for a while in MLW. Okay, that's that's excellent. That, that's, that's excellent. Now, okay, how about this one? I think I found a family. This is when I was looking for families, sometimes you you know parts of the families and you don't realize unless you really watch wrestling a lot that they're actually related. And it had to be the Smith family. This one really threw me for a loop because I always forget about because they're so weirdly diverse. You have Grizzly Smith, and then you have his sons, Jake the Snake Roberts. Then you have skinny white Sam Houston <laughs> and Rock and Robin. Three, three children who are so much different. You would never guess they were the same family. <laughs> uh, when you guys, you guys remember, well, obviously Jake the Snake's still doing a lot and doing his thing. Um, how about the other two, Sam Houston and Rock and Robin? Anything pop into mind for you guys? I, I I remember I, I well I met I met uh, Jake by, by by magazines before when when I had the chance in eighty what eighty six maybe uh, went to Mid South he was there uh, actually the story uh, with Grizzly Smith my first story with him uh, I fly I flew from Puerto Rico to uh, Louisiana to Baton Rouge. And uh, <clears throat> was a small plane. I mean, small, more uh, airport, very small. At midnight, that airport closed, so a- anybody that's there have to sit down outside, and they turn everything off. I mean, all the lights out. So at this Puerto Rican there, we know nothing in English, and I'm sitting down outside with another guy that that I mean, they picked them up. Uh, I don't know, two three hours before. But we are outside. Grace Smith just pulled in a white Impala uh, to pick me up about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, something like that, because they, they were in, in Lafayette, uh, wrestle over there. So my plane was delayed. He's supposed to pick me up. Nothing happened. I, I was out. So here, here I am sitting outside. And here comes this big beer guy. How are you doing? I, my English was bad, super mega bad. So he took me to the hotel. I uh, stayed there one night. Uh, Scandal Akbar, Akbar picked me uh, next, next day. Uh, took me to the arena, then we continue. Uh, 
but that was the first experience with Mr. Chris Smith. Then I met Jake. Jake, uh, I, I always, when I see him, uh, I, I say thank you to him because he took me by the hand and, and, and teach me and, and took me to another level uh, when, when the finishes come. And he was very, very calm and explained me everything step by step in English. So I start pick up here, there, and hey, my first big, one of the biggest match was a five against five in Oklahoma City, a Sunday, I remember. And many spots, 10 guys, so I wanted to throw something there. And here come Jake, this is what we're gonna do. And he take care of me, he take care of me big time. Also working with him, he gave me that DDT and I went straight down big time and hurt my neck for, for, for real. Uh, I think that's, that's, that was the beginning of my neck being uh, hurt, but uh, I never blame him. Uh, two days later, I was working with my neck hurt and sleeping in a car, fell asleep. My, I just went pop and my neck just right there, pop big time. And I fixed myself, but I, I have the, the chance. Sam Houston, I saw him a couple of times in, in the in dressing rooms, uh, but I never, never was there with him, working with him, uh, uh, you know, too, too many times. But uh, that, that, that's my experience with him. I hear the Grizzlies was very good in the ring, very healed. Okay. Anyone else got any stories about any of them? Rod, I'm hoping Rod's got something because I mean that's, I loved hearing that from Savio. So I'm hoping Rod's got something. Actually, if somebody had a Sam Houston story, I'd love it the most. Yeah, I but can't, can't remember how long ago it was. I don't know, maybe three or five years ago. But Sam Houston was actually still working, and I was on an indie show with him. I, I didn't work with him, but uh, that that most of my interaction with him, other than you know seeing him on TV when I was younger, I think. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty good. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I remember when Barry Darso was Crusher Khrushchev, and they had a they had a match. I think was on one of the Starcades, wasn't it, or something back in the day? But okay. But, uh, yeah. Other than that, I, I haven't had any too many personal interactions with him. Just once. I, I've got to say, like, um, <laughs> it, I always found it such a weird thing because you know, like I said, being a kid growing up reading these magazines, not getting a lot of television. Um, you know, I knew people from different territories only by their name and maybe some pictures. So you don't really know them. And sometimes when you find brothers, it's rare that you find a brother and sister, but brothers, you kind of saw it, you know, like, oh, yeah, that guy does look a little like him. Or he, you read the stories and he's like them. But it was so funny because all through my life, as much as I read about Sam Houston, he seemed nothing at all would ever let you think that him and Jake Roberts were brothers at all. Yeah, none just, of that family looked the same at all. Yeah, well, it's so strange. And then throwing Rock and Robin really almost made my head blow up. You know, <laughs> brothers, I'm like, what? This can't be right. Someone's someone's joshing me. This ain't real. There's no way these people are related. But <laughs> um, they, they were just definitely one of the, the most unique families that uh, I, I got to say most unique because it was just so different. So much different components, so much different people. And uh I guess you can't really define a family by your looks or whatever, because they were a family that kind of broke that mold. Uh, um, I just wondering, Raven, did you have any experience with Robin at all? Um, I got to meet her at the CACs. Um, she was, uh, she got a women's wrestler at the CACs and she was a really nice woman. Same with Sam. He's at the CACs every year. Yeah, um, yeah. Both really nice people, like really nice people, but I never got to work with her, obviously, unfortunately. Fair enough. Fair enough. We are going to have to dig through the vaults and find a woman wrestler who knows anything about Rock and Robin wrestling them. 
that would be kind of I, I barely remember her. I totally because the name you can't forget a name like that, yeah. you know, especially when there wasn't a lot of women wrestlers at that time. So I don't really remember much, but the name maybe a match or two. So I'm very curious what kind of person she was like. You know, that, that would be something to see. Uh, let's throw this really weird. Let's throw a, a family name that they're not even really, uh, they weren't exactly brothers, even though they portrayed themselves as. And no, I'm not going to pick the Andersons. No. <laughs> I'm going to pick the Garvins. Ronnie Garvin and Jimmy Garvin, mm-hmm. who actually, I guess the relationship ended up being that Ronnie was actually Jimmy's uh, father-in-law or something like, no, uh, stepfather or something step, like step, that. Stepfather, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was his stepfather, and yet they portrayed themselves as brothers, which was kind of a unique thing. I guess you guys could probably say a lot about the Garvins, right? Because, I, you know, I grew up watching Jimmy Garvin so much. Ronnie Garvin, just a little bit. And it's probably the opposite for probably Rod. So, Rod, do you, re- do you remember much about Ronnie and Jimmy Garvin? Yeah, I, I um, grew up watching both of them a lot, actually. Okay. And, and last year. the Texas thing. Yeah, last, last year, well, well, I know Ronnie more, mostly from you know, Georgia, Yeah. you know, the Georgia championship wrestling a lot, but um, they actually inducted him into the hall of fame in Texas last year in the pro wrestling hall of fame. And, and uh, so I actually was set at his table. I got to meet him there last year and it, actually a, a very nice guy, but mm-hmm. uh, um, I, I, I always thought he was very talented. I mean, he did some different stuff that you didn't see other people do like the Garvin stomp, which Randy Orton kind of does now, I guess, but <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, unfortunately, his his uh, his short world title reign was kind of uh, nondescript. Yeah, <laughs> quick, uh, just a blip in history. But uh, no, the, the Garvins, uh, and then you you don't forget Terry Garvin too. Ah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I was using the Google <laughs> machine as you were talking, Rod. <laughs> Terry really well. Terry actually uh, for a while was in the early '80s was the ring announcer for Bob Nigel in Central States out of Kansas City, and then Terry Garvin actually was one of the people that helped me get into the business. Oh, no. Uh, and then later on, you know, he was, he uh, handled the talent for WWE later on and, uh, and worked okay. there uh, until his, until his death. But, um, but yeah, a lot of people forgot, forget the uh, forgotten Garvin, yeah. the third one. Cause I think it was, I think it was Terry, Terry and, and um, Ron originally. And then later yes. on Terry managed. Yeah. They were tag team. And then later on he managed to Ron and Jimmy. What was the what? real relationship with Terry to Ronnie or? It was Ron was, was stepfather was was, yeah. was married to yeah. Jimmy mom, and, but yeah, um, Terry wasn't related at all anyway. Okay. Yeah, Ronnie Garvin. He adopted the name in the mid '60s and formed a tag team with Terry Garvin who was billed as being his brother. And then they, they were together through the sixties and the seventies. And then they were managed by their other brother, Jimmy Garvin, actually Ron's stepson in real life. And then in the mid eighties, that's when Ronnie and Jimmy had their feud. Uh, also with the Rougeaus in Montreal. Uh, okay. Good job. Andy. And Ronnie Garvin, and Ronnie, Gar- <laughs> Ronnie Garvin is also Canadian. That, yes. Andy. A French Canadian, isn't he? Cause he totally looked like a French Canadian growing up all the time. <laughs> Good job, Andy. Way to read Wikipedia. Yes. <laughs> you know, my uh, my my hey. wife's grandfather was a hundred years old, and he'd always say to me, "Ask Mister Google." <laughs> when he had a question, <laughs> he was just amazed by Mister Google. So, <laughs> thank you. Well, Andy, you've now taken the the role of a hundred year old man who will ask Mister Google. <laughs> thank you. I, you know what? I, I was to me, it was always it was, I was one of those people. It was the Google machine. Yeah. But henthforth. Now shall be known as Mr. Google. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Savio, did you ever have any run-ins with the Garvins anywhere in your career? No, no, no. Just just, uh, by uh, television, magazine, 
and stuff like that. Never, never, uh, Jimmy, yes, I, I met her before. Uh, no, with Ronnie. And, uh, but just, just what I see is uh, on magazines, stuff like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess what I should say, Chief, when I, when I said about uh, not, not uh, forgetting the Texas part, it was actually because I grew up so much with AWA, if that's where I always think of Jimmy Garvin. I always forget he was in world class, you know? Oh, yeah. Mr. Google has a question. Yes, Mr. I, Google. Yes, Mr. I, I was looking at Mr. Google because I had something in my head. And then uh -huh. when Savio was responding, it kind of made me think. So I had to scroll further. At one, I, I, don't have, I don't have the time frame here. But it says that uh, somewhere in about 1988 that mm -hmm. uh, Ronnie Garvin also feuded with Carlos Colon over the WWC Universal Heavyweight Championship during trips to Puerto Rico. Ooh. Yeah, well, oh, we're talking about the hand. Okay, okay. Let me go back. Hannah Stone, Ronnie Garvin. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know where. And was another guy, uh, another. Uh, maybe I confused the name. He was like a uh, curly hair or something like that. That was Jimmy Garvin. Yeah, uh, his the, the so-called uh, brother. There was Terrence Garvin too. In, okay. Later on, I was thinking about. Okay. And he looked very much yes. like Jimmy. Yes, Garvin. No, yes, I yes, it. yes. I know uh, who you're talking about, Chief. Hey, I work. I work with Ronnie Garvin. There you go. That's better. Yes. There we okay. go. Yes. This makes more now, sense. Now, now <laughs> I, I'm connecting. I'm connecting people. That's one of the Garvin. The only Ronnie Garvin. Then I went like, damn it, because I have the Jimmy Garvin, the the mouth of the South, in my head, and and, and Ronnie Garvin. And uh, <laughs> what is Jimmy Garvin? No. Uh, yes, I work with him. Uh, I mean, solid guy. He was in good shape. We worked, uh, I mean, a few times in Puerto Rico. Uh, I mean, I was a young guy by, by the time uh, we compared it with the, the experience. They already maybe have eight to 10 years more, uh, uh, you know, experience than me. And they helped me. They helped me a lot uh, to, to make my, my characters and stuff like that. Yes, I worked with Ronnie, and yes, he worked. He worked here in Puerto Rico many, many times. Uh, um, he always come with his towel and yeah. serious, and, and and the work was solid. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, love to work with him. Uh, and yes, yes, I remember now, uh, Mr. Ronnie Garvin, uh, the hand of, of, of stone, the hands of stone, and and, yeah. and we put him he, over. He 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 have a match. I remember the build up. A match him against the invader. Invader have the, uh, the 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 fist gimmick too, and uh, they have a big button where the people fill the houses to see the competition and to nice. see the matches. Awesome. But yes, I have the chance to work with him. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> excellent. You know, and don't forget that the highlight of uh, Ronnie Garvin's career would probably be the feud for the AWA International Title with Greg Gagne. Wow. International title. Oy vey. <laughs> wow, that's right. I, I thought you were gonna go back to it. I thought you were gonna say when he was uh when he was doing the ref thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the dying days of the AWA. Oh yes. Oh. Still as a heel, Garvin wrestled in the American Wrestling Association in late nineteen eighty eight. So on the same time frame that he was with doing Puerto Rico and feuded with Greg Gagne over the AWA International Television Championship. <laughs> oh, it's even just that hey, I'm glad I have Andy here to back me up on all these facts. Yeah, it's hey, not me, man. It's Mr. Google. <laughs> no, yeah. Now, Rod, you, you said something that was very telling, and uh, that was uh, the blip of the world championship for Ronnie uh, for Ronnie Garvin. And yeah. I remember being a super big Ronnie Garvin fan 
uh, before he won the belt and mm -hmm. very excited on the buildup. And then when he won the belt, I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then he lost the belt, not very much later. And the most hilarious thing about it is it, he, it was almost the exact same match with just the end was different. Like they did yeah, the exact know, same match again in the cage, move for move, and then ended it with a different move. You know, in between the time when he won it from Flair and dropped it, they mm -hmm. didn't have him. I think I think like almost 60 days went by. They never had him defend it. So he had no title defenses. Yeah, he had no title defenses. And it happened like less. It was it's, he won at the beginning of the summer and lost it at the end of the Great American Bash stuff. Yeah. So it was it was because I think it was Whoa. the beginning of the Great American Bash. He it won was it. actually it was in September, not the beginning of summer. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Google. Yeah, oh, I, this, is, this is like the right, the right piece right here. So I'm just kind of following along. Yeah, it was September 25th, 87. Garvin mm -hmm. defeated Flair. Um, with the Star NWA... But the, with the NWA holding uh, Starcade the same day that WWF was holding its first Survivor Series, Crockett chose to face the strong WWF competition by having Flair win the title. Therefore, he had to lose it in the first place. So whoever won it was only going to be a placeholder. <laughs> it says that most wrestlers decline the offer, but Garvin, assuming that at 42 years of age, this may be his last chance to hold the major NWA title, accepted to fill the role. And he held the title for two months before losing it back to Flair at Starcade. Unfortunately, it became a blip unless you really knew him. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't remember it. Oh, that's but sad. Hey, we're talking Garvin's about it, great. so that's good. Yes. Right. Yes. Luckily, he, luckily, he got the people who were fans of Ronnie Garvin, and we're going to keep talking about that. All right. So... Moving on to families. Oh, yes. Raven. I uh, just got the high sign. Turkey is on the table. Um, <laughs> but if, if you guys can some point uh, in time during the show, talk about um, when you talk about the Rashans, make sure you bring Luna into it. Yep. Um, there's also um, Dora and Debbie Coombs, really important women that came in through yep. the, as, as a family through the couple of generations in that family. And, you know, you can always throw out the whole family if you want to, too. He's like, who? We'll talk to you later, Raven. Uh, are you uh, sure that doesn't mean you have 15 more minutes? No. So it means if you ate really quick, you could get back out here and talk about those women wrestlers and I tell you what, if I get done fast enough, I'll shovel it in my face. And if I can get back out here fast enough, in, we'll do in it. In between the turkey and pumpkin pie. Yeah. Yes, between dinner and dessert. Because <laughs> obviously, obviously we're a much sweeter treat than pumpkin pie. <laughs> we're all summer. You could say we're custom built for your heart. You, are, you know what? And a lot less calories, too. <laughs> Good night, fellas. <laughs> and that's how you lose women co-hosts. <laughs> On a wrestling show. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Okay. Sorry. Before she said that, who was I transitioning into? You know what? You mentioned you mentioned sorry, you mentioned before the win them too. Yeah. Yes, we're gonna get to them. We're definitely gonna get to them. Well, let's do them now. Why not? Uh the Wyndham family. Okay. Interesting. We have the start, Blackjack Mulligan. And this is what okay. I want I hope Rick Serrano the third is listening to this because he actually had a whole rant of how he thought Barry Wyndham was the worst horseman ever. Really? Okay, but yeah, exactly. We're all gonna gang beat him up later. But anyways, uh, wait, who's Rick Serrano the third? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he said, "Well, I said, what you mean, Blackjack Mulligan?" Son, he goes, "Well, they were related." No, okay, we're gonna throw some uh, knowledge down on you, Rick. Just because you're from New York doesn't mean you get to just automatically host a show. You got to put some homework in here. All right, so we have oh Barry Windham, and this is this is a whole mixture of weird stuff. I don't want to say weird, but I guess that closeness and camaraderie that. Uh, uh, wrestling has but this one 
actually produce some big name stars. Okay, so we start off with uh, Black Jack Mulligan. He has two sons. He has Barry Windham, uh, one of the best wrestlers. I don't care what anyone says, was one of the best wrestlers, I think, of the 80s and 90s. Um, well, maybe not so much in the end of the 90s, but definitely in the 80s. Uh, of course, he had Kendall Windham, he who shall not be mentioned. Um, and then, <laughs> now Barry had a successful tag team with Mike Rotundo, who I remember, who you fans might remember as IRS from. Uh, and that's what was another he? wrestling family right there, too. Well, kind of. They yeah. kind of intertwine here because. What we have is uh, Mike Rotundo, uh, Mary's uh, Barry Wyndham's sister, and ends up having a couple of sons, one of which is Bray Wyatt. So all of a sudden, we've got like these degrees. Well, of, and what about the other one? Which is the other one? Oh, Bo Dallas? Hey, but he's, hey, former tag team champion, still WWE, still TV. Give him some respect. Former NXT tag? Well, oh, he's a former he's NXT still champion. Around. Yes. You know, you know you what? Go, I've, always liked Bo, uh, I've always liked him. Are you a non-believer? <laughs> believer um bump. but he has not been treated very kindly by the wwe well just it, because it, he's not treated kindly by wwe does not mean he should not be treated kindly by wpov perfect right. uh elio can you bump him out of the room or not <laughs> <mute his mic? laughs> for, call, for calling him out on his stuff sure yeah. okay first of all let's talk to blackjack mulligan because man when i was a kid the blackjacks and him he, they were the coolest I, I don't know why I like those guys so much. They were big. Uh, they were big Texan Nasty guys. They had the goofy ordinary. cowboy hats, and I loved it. And I, I mean, how big was that guy anyways? Blackjack Mulligan, he was legitimately super big, wasn't he? Like 6'6"? Six, six, he six, was seven, huge. Yeah. I, I, listen, I, I, the first time I met him, I met him at the airport here in Puerto Rico. We, uh, 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 Capital Sport Promotion, WWC, have him and Barry, and both I met him that, the same day. Uh, at the gate, we, we went to, I believe it was Trinidad and Tobago uh, to wrestle there. And uh, when he, I shake his hand, he, I mean, it was a he, big, huge hand. And, and he was a big guy, man. He was a bear. Uh, uh, what, a, what a nice person. Uh, I just, you know, met him there. Don't talk too much with them because my English, it was off, off completely. And uh, I just say hi to them. And I just stopped and look at him. He was a huge guy. Uh, like I said, when I shook his hand, man, a big, big hand. Uh, I, then I saw him, of course, uh, in, in, in action, WCW. Uh, uh, he was a great talent. He is a great talent. You know, uh, maybe like, like, like they say, the worst uh, uh, of the horsemen, maybe because when he arrived there, was maybe more attention on the on the other guys, but he was great. He was a good heel too. Yeah, Salvia, the only person who said that was Rick Serrano, <laughs> and nobody else would ever say that Barry Windham was the worst horseman. I'm pretty yeah, sure see, that Paul he was Roma. Who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just a well, he's just somebody. He our sister show. He's just a host of our sister show who one day decided to take it upon himself okay. to say that Barry Windham was the least of the horsemen. I, Paul Roma holds that in everyone's head. <laughs> you think sure. worse than Steve McMichael? Yes. Watch uh, Paul Roma. At least Steve McMichael had a chihuahua to entertain you with. <laughs> well, at least Paul Roma had the build. Hey, hey, Andy. Yeah, sir. Uh, Steve McMichael's a friend of mine, and he's a much better friend than Hulk Hogan. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, nice. No, everyone is a much better friend than Hulk Hogan. We've determined that every episode. Hulk Hogan's just not a good friend, okay? Uh. <laughs> 
Oh, oh my goodness. lordy, lordy. People are just how, you, uh, sorry. So seriously, just for a quick sec. So how do you do you know him through wrestling, or was it like a football thing? How do you know Steve? Yeah, I, I know him uh, uh, kind of through wrestling. Um, we became friends. He he does a there's a celebrity sports golf tournament over by Chicago every year. Yeah, and yeah. they have some of the former Bears, and then they have uh, some wrestlers there. And oddly enough, I don't play golf, and I'm not that famous, but they have me there every year. And so over the years, Steve's there every year, and and he's part of the organization of it. And I've become friends with him. I think I've done. I, it I, I know your secret. Cool. Times. <laughs> I What's know that? your secret. I know your secret. Oh, you know, my secret? You, you know, play golf, and you're the ones who watch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, Chief, if you had said that you uh, shared a love of uh, Chihuahua breeding, I would have fallen on the floor right then. I'm sorry, that would have been the best answer ever of how you knew Sean <laughs> Mongo McMichael. But very so, cool story nonetheless. Yes. But yeah, he's, he's, uh, Steve's actually a nice guy, and he's a great mm -hmm. storyteller. He can tell you lots of stories. Oh, I bet. He, he actually he said that he has, he has wilder stories from the, his short time in wrestling than he had from all of his years in the NFL. I believe that too. <laughs> believe that. Believe that. Uh, so Barry Windham. Okay. So first of all, I guess I'm not sure what the appeal, but obviously the size and the orneries was what made the, the blackjack so big, especially blackjack uh, Mulligan. Right. And I know this is a weird thing to say, but the way he carried himself too, you kind of had the feeling he was like one of the ultimate good guys. He was the super big guy who was who would be really nice he would be a way better friend than hulk hogan um you know he you knew he'd be a good friend and i mean the reason why i ever think especially in my mind that he's so big is i recently was going through youtube and i came across a bunch of this old wrestling stuff and somebody had put this uh the, the clash of belts or something this thing from florida where it had the exact the whole card on there and one of the matches had blackjack mulligan teaming with the road warriors and he looked bigger than they did Wow. You know, he kind of he kind of towered over the road warriors. And I was like, holy Whoa. crap, I didn't realize he was really that big, you know. And uh, but uh, it was interesting taking on uh, Kevin uh, Sullivan, who's actually pretty small compared yeah. to all those guys. Well, you think of him uh, next to you think of him next to he we dot name. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and and which I had to laugh. Purple Haze, who uh, Mark Lewin. Mark who I, Lewin. Yeah, I remember hearing about him from my grandmother growing up, so it was kind of interesting to see him. And, uh, and Bob Roop, who uh, yeah, yeah. looked really ridiculous in this time period because he had half his head shaved. And yeah, well, that's what they were the, the, whole, the whole group. Did they have the a name? The, yeah, with Kevin Sullivan, where he was like the leader, like the kind of cultish thing. Yeah. Do they have Nancy with them yet? Or no, no at that not point. in that no, one. Not the fallen angel? But going on with this story, they did have a title defense on there. And let's get into him. Barry Windham with an incredible match against Ric Flair on this card. Yeah. And uh, Barry Windham, man, I always thought he was like very tall, but it seemed like he had that perfect wrestling look, the wrestling body for a guy that was big. Yeah. You, know? You, you know, you look at prototypical wrestlers and sometimes you see wrestlers and it seems like uh, in the wrestling world, these guys who are around six feet tall, but athletic seems to be the prototype wrestler, right? So it was weird to see like Barry Windham being like six inches taller and bigger and heavier, but he wrestled like a wrestler, you know? Yeah. Um, I always found him very, very exciting and interesting. Even back when he was with Mike Rotunda, who I was never the biggest Mike Rotunda fan, I'm going to have to say. I just always thought he was the second go-on guy. And boy, IRS was just embarrassing that whole everybody had to be a garbage man or the plumber. Well, we went into that in the gimmick show, but uh, 
I really enjoyed Barry Windham. What do you guys think of Barry Windham? Did any of you guys ever have a chance to work with him? No, I I know have the, the never have the chance to work with him. The, like I said, the, the only time that I saw him was the before Trinidad. He put a for a big show, mm-hmm. and after that, he went to WCW and and never see him again. Okay, all right, Rod, you ever come across him? No, actually, oddly enough, the only one of the Wyndhams I've ever met was Blackjack. Okay. And Andy, do you have any stories or anything you can think no, of? No, no, more just as a fan from, you know, like you said, the tag team mm-hmm. days in WWF with uh, Mike Rotunda and, uh, you know, the, the, the run in WCW for, well, as a singles, like the baby face before being a part of the horseman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll second your, your assessment there with them, like being that taller guy. I mean, you know, a lot of times, especially I think with WCW being more wrestling centric at the time, uh, kind of like in, you know, like, like the eighties and the, the, uh, the early nineties, it's, you know, like you had sting who was, I mean, he, he was probably like, like six, one, six, two, he's not the tallest mm-hmm. guy. Right. Like, but he, but still like the blonde hair. And then like the, like you said, like the athletic, the muscular build, but Wyndham was like, a, was almost like another, like another, like, but the taller blonde, he almost be cl- like maybe closer to Hogan kind of like, like height wise. Yeah. And then with the blonde hair, I mean, and he was you know, relatively tan, but I mean, he just didn't have that, like the muscular physique, but yet like, to me, it, it was like a, 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 like a rugged physique. You know, like, I mean, if he was like, was he a football player in the past? I can't remember. I think he was, I think yeah. he was, but uh, just, you know, the guy that could, you know, like you said, he, you know, he was like a wrestler's wrestler. looked like he could wrestle, looked like he could handle himself. Just like a tough SOB. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and could, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was no, going to no, say, but... he also has a whole bunch of, like, big matches of, like, 60, 90-minute matches under his belt, which you guys can attest at that high level is a pretty uh, yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fighting – I know he has a few with Ric Flair. And I mean, you know, going 90 minutes with Ric Flair, that's a lot of uh, – <laughs> that's a lot of movement back in those days. I wasn't yeah. exactly sitting That's around. a good, good teaching class right there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Now, I this one, you know – I'm not sure. And maybe if nobody has an opinion, I get it. And I'm, maybe you never met this guy, but maybe you saw him, recall seeing his stuff. But let's talk about Kendall Wyndham. He seems to be the one person that history kind of makes fun of a little bit. And I remember seeing him also on this card and watching him wrestle a young Muta, who was one of uh, Muta's first matches wow. down in Florida. And it was actually, a, I didn't find him that bad. He looked awkward. He was obviously very tall and very skinny compared to his brother or his dad. But I'm not sure. What did you guys, does anyone have any weigh-in about Kendall Wyndham, what they yeah, remember seeing? I saw a lot of his work back in the day. And, yeah, he, it wasn't bad. I think it was just that he was so thin and lanky. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't, even though he was fairly tall, he didn't look like a yeah. wrestler. He didn't look big enough to be a wrestler. He just, he looked too thin. I think a lot of the people in the crowd probably thought, I can kick this guy's ass. They'd probably be very wrong. But, yes, that's yeah. <laughs> right. But as, and I mean, this for me, if I may, this is my time. I think just what any episode that I'm a part of, I'm always going to bring up kind of, you know, uh, history, society, the evolution of business, the evolution of society. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, there weren't very many small guys, very rare. There weren't very many thin guys. I mean, even for Greg Gagne, you know, that was that was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, let's be honest. Stretch. I mean, you know, I mean, if we, we can, I mean, there's another family we can talk about too, and for the way he was booked or whatever. But I think that's you know kind of like what what she's saying there was at that time, just not believable. I mean, you fast forward 20 years, you put him in like the you know in, in this century, and and he'd be fine. 
because he, mm-hmm. you know he'd be able to fit in because it's 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 so much more broader. It's the more entertainment versus uh, like the wrestling, the fighting. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, to what Rod said, you know, there was the time and up until I don't know I mean, anybody could kind of go with me on this one here, maybe mid '90s, where you know as a fan you really shouldn't be looking at that, you know, watching this going, oh, I could kick that guy's ass. I could kick that guy's ass. This is my, you know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to run into that guy in a dark alley. I wouldn't want to run into that guy in a dark alley. Kendall Wyndham, eh, I could take him. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Good, good, good interesting uh, uh, talk. Uh, and that's true. You know, before, before you got uh, uh, the big, huge guy, maybe you the muscle here, uh, but you got the biggest, tallest guy, you know, maybe because the, the dad and brother was in wrestling, so he had the door open, you know, in, in another situation was maybe hard for him to be uh, in the group, no, uh, of, of this big, huge uh, professional wrestlers. Okay. That's fair too, yeah. Now, uh, why don't we take a quick look at the, uh, Bray Wyatt? I mean, here's now the the newer part of that generation of, of this family. Um, here's a guy who, but this you know, is the rotundo side though, right? We're going on. The well, rotundo they're side. kind of so intertwined. I guess the yeah, yeah, grandfather yeah. is still black. Yeah, fair Morgan, enough. So, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, okay. This is definitely yep. still. Yeah. So okay. I'm going <laughs> to, yep. I'm going to say, uh, Bloodline, look, yep. look at Bray Wyatt's doing now. I mean, he had that, he had a bit of a struggle at the beginning. It seemed he was, you know, hot and cold, hot and cold, pushed and stopped, pushed and stopped. But now finally the fiend or as he's uh, known now is a main event guy within the WWE, one of the biggest, uh, the biggest company in the world. He is one of the top, uh, I'm not sure if he was a good guy, bad guy. It's hard to tell these weeks as they're shuffling everything around. <laughs> but let's talk about that. Here's a guy who now he's another big representation of that family. Ironically, though, I have a hard time physically seeing uh, his uh, uncle or his grandfather in him on Wyndham side. What do you guys think of Bray Wyatt? I, I remember uh, him in the 90s when he was a, a baby, him and his brother. That's the only thing that I see. And now they, they already been, I, I don't know how long with WWE. Uh, uh, and that's the only territory they, they've been, you know, the biggest uh, probably territory that they run. I don't know if something about, around home, they, mm-hmm. they work maybe, yes, uh, to train and, and you know, be, be better. Uh, but he's good. He, what he's done is good. I mean, the way they they doing it is you know it's so up and downs, so up and downs. Uh, they know what they do. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, as a character, and and good, it looked like he's a good head. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the ring. Anyone else want to weigh in on Bray Wyatt? I was going to go, you know, kind of the, reacting to your comment about not really seeing the grandfather side of it. Yeah. I think I mean you know the the, the bloodline may be there, but I think it's one of those things like. And, and I'm, I have one particular picture in, in mind that I've seen, and I'm sure if you guys, well, if you haven't seen it, it probably wouldn't be too hard to find, but it's like a rotundo family picture or whatever. And it's got like Mike, and then it's got uh, Bray, Bo, and then there's the daughter. Yeah. And you can tell they're rotundos. Like it, okay. it does. It's, it's like the facial features, the resemblances that way. It, that, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyone last thing before we go on to the next family? All right, let's go. Uh, a family with great origins in the AWA. <laughs> uh. Larry the Axe Henning and his offspring. Ooh. Now, Larry the Axe Henning. Here, here's a. 
I remember seeing this guy, you know, being like when I was probably 13 or 14 watching AWA. And uh, I mean, he didn't strike me as like a athlete per se. He was just a very big dude who was very impressive and strong. And what I don't mean is I'm not saying he wasn't an athlete. I'm just saying he was built like this big, hairy mound of a man <laughs> who had this axe move he did where he like slapped the crap out of you. Uh, he was uh, such, such an interesting part of my childhood because it was at that transition. He, you know, he was right at the end of where wrestlers were stopping from being just big barrel chested dudes to like all of a sudden guys like the road warriors and Hulk Hogan and the big muscle guys were creeping up into the main thing. But you also had the guys like Rick Martel and the guys who were of average shape, but had to up the skills to be in there. And, and unfortunately the, it seemed like some of those guys at the end of the AWA, they had great careers, but it seemed like they were right on the bubble of not fitting in with the new generation of what wrestling was becoming at least cosmetically. Now, Larry the Axe had a great career. I, I, you know, I didn't even look it up, but I'm pretty sure I knew. I remember him holding some like tag team titles a few times in AWA. I don't ask Mr. Google. Um, <laughs> I don't think he picked up very many singles uh, belts, uh, but I remember he had a son that came along, a son by the name of Kurt Henning, and Kurt Henning was. Uh, oh, I remember watching this guy grow up in the AWA. And thinking, man, I just loved watching him progress. Uh, I remember he had this goofy ass looking tag team partner who had this is a white guy with a six foot six. Hey, this, is a buddy of Savio's. this is a buddy of Savio's. No, no, but I mean, I'm just saying at that time, Scott Hall looked <laughs> ridiculous. Did he not? Yeah. Even he must have thought that when he had the big giant curly hair, the yeah. pink shorts, yeah. and the. <laughs> but. Watching uh, Kurt uh, progress through the AWA, becoming the AWA world champion, becoming the biggest heel, and then moving on to Mr. Perfect, you know, and uh, what a great career he had the WWE, which, you know, it still feels like even though you realized he didn't exactly die that young, it still felt like there was still so much more he could have achieved in the world of wrestling, oh, yeah. you know, I agree. and uh, he, he was something like, uh, first of all, I get Talk to me, Andy. I know you know Larry the Axe. Give me some memories of Larry the Axe in your mind. You know what? Uh, similar to yours, mine are just early days. Like, well, not early days for the AWA, but early days as a wrestling fan with, with uh, was Larry the Axe. And I just, I remember him being around. I remember him, like, you know, as you described him, just, you know, the big, thick guy, burly, had the, the elbow for the finish, the Axe. Um, I remember, like, I mean, that's kind of to that extent there. I can go kind of more into to Kurt, the early uh, early AWA days, especially even before Scott Hall, sometimes when he would tag with Greg Gagne mm -hmm. and you kind of had like the, that multifamily kind of team there. I remember it's, I did, I don't have this description from back then, but looking back, knowing what I know now and looking back, it's like he was just very, like very fresh faced, very milk and cookies. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, you know, kind of like Greg was too. Uh, I remember being surprised when he did, when he did like an eventual heel turn. Um, and at that time, that was a time where somebody could simply, a baby face could simply grow a beard and all of a sudden he was a heel. Uh, good times, nice and simple. <laughs> <laughs> One, I mean, I mean, if we, you know, we'll probably go into talking a bit about, uh, about Joe as well, but one because this is kind of like my only kind of personal story, which I think is very cool. And I don't know how many people can say they've done this. So, uh, in my time in Puerto Rico, 
when I was there, I was there in 99, basically through 2003. And so I was part of the IWA family. And then, of course, the main competition was WWC Capital, which was Carlos Colon's company. So I'm sure we're going to talk about the Colons at some point. Um, and so, Carlos, you know, we'd have we'd have our shows. We were awesome. We were doing what we were doing. And Carlos would still bring in, uh, you know, names from time to time as well. So at one point, uh, this would have been... I'm trying to remember the exact year. So it might've been 2000. Savio might know the years better than I do. Um, Cause Fidel was still over at Capitol. I think Ricky was still, Ricky Santana was still over at Capitol and they brought in Kurt. They brought in Kurt Henning to, uh, to work with them. And so one night as so would often happen after shows, we would get back, uh, whether it was IWA, whether it was WWC and in Isla Verde, Puerto Rico, on the main strip, there was a, a bar there called Loopy's. And that was mm -hmm. kind of, that was like one of the main hangouts. So, you know, and, and it was never planned. It would just be like, you know, guys would go there. And if you saw guys, you know, hey, how's it going? How are the shows? Whatever, we'd have the talks. And on this particular night, uh, I can't remember who else I was there with as far as IWA guys go. But uh, Fidel Sierra was there. Uh, his wife, Fantasy, was there. I believe Ricky was there. And they had brought Kurt with them. And I remember sitting at the table and this was the first time meeting Kurt, getting to talk with him, telling him, you know, some of the stories about watching him from WWF, watching from AWA. He was super cool. He was awesome. Uh, Fidel was very complimentary. And actually, maybe I don't know if maybe Fidel and Ricky, maybe they were they were already over with us. I can't remember, but they were there. And I know that, you know, they were they were friends. But um, I remember Fidel. uh put me over huge to Kurt just you know like you know young guy learn you know learning and but a heck of a worker um he brought up who you know kind of who one of my favorites was he we did not speak of and uh so what I was privy to at this point was uh I guess Kurt really liked his shots of Jack <laughs> and so it's like okay and and you know, you guys may not know this, Savio may remember. Uh, I'm not a drinker. I've, I've never been drunk in my life. I don't, it's, I've, I've had alcoholic beverages here and there as this story plays out. But uh, <laughs> I've, I've never, you know, that's just never been my thing. So, you know, there's like, okay, we're going to, you know, you seem like a cool guy, whatever. We're going to have a shot. We're going to have a shot. Cool. So before I have the shot, and again, I'm, you know, very green when it comes to drinking. So, <laughs> This Kurt says, okay, well, you got to do this. You got to do this the Henning way. He says, before you take your shot, you know, as you take your shot, don't just shoot it straight. As you pour it in, you got to gargle it. <laughs> and so, you know, and everybody was straight faced. So everyone played along and whatever I did it. I gargled it. Now for me, thankfully, and it, because I've had some, so whether it's Jack, whether it's tequila, a lot of these drinks that people seem to make cringe, I'm fine. So, I mean, I gargled it and I drank it, it was fine. It didn't, it didn't bother me. I think even if it did bother me just because of the company, I would yeah. have no sold that like a son of a gun. Yeah. Regardless. So I had it. So that was cool. So I had that shot with Kurt. Fast forward. I don't know how many years it was to uh, here in Edmonton, Alberta, WWE had done a show. And afterwards uh, I went to, went to the bar to meet up with some of the guys that included MVP, who was a former, also former uh, IWA, IWA alumnus. So I was sitting with Joe and there was a couple other guys there and we got to talking about his dad and he was saying how much he loved being a part of the business. And as I was telling him stories about, you know, about uh, 
meeting his dad at the times there. He's like, yeah, this is the kind of thing, you know, we, that I like. And, and so I told him the same story about the Jack. And he's like, well, he says, you know what? He says, you got to have a shot of Jack with me too then. So I said, okay, well, you know, I don't know how many people can say that they've done this. So I'm going to do this. So we had, the, I shared a shot of Jack with him. We laughed about the whole gargling thing. So I did the gargle too, whatever. So even though I've probably only had, I think I've literally had three shots of Jack Daniels in my life. And two of those are with Kurt Henning and with his son, Joe Henning. That's very oh, cool. Nice. God Where, bless was, Larry? Where was Larry before? Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. At, at that point, I think I might've been a little underage. So unless it was like sick. a little shot you of ice. You are alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for allowing me that platform to share that story. But, but that was not, that's my cool Henning connection, father-son story. So that's, that's excellent. That's excellent. I noticed on our camera, we have Rudy Gonzalez excellent. who just joined us in. Rudy, yeah. how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Great. We're just going over the families of wrestling. And uh, I know we've uh, you, you missed a couple that we were going to talk about with you, but uh, we've, we've done the Von Erics. And, uh, but that I know you did mention, and I was going to, and it was on my list, you want to talk about the Blanchards. Joe Blanchard. The and Blanchards, Tully and... and- and and then now there's Tessa and Tessa too, so why don't we start first of all with Joe Blanchard? Here was a guy who was now. This is going further before my time. So was he an actual wrestler? I know he was a promoter. Was he an also? Yeah, he wrestler? wrestled. He wrestled years ago. I think he got broken in by by uh, by Vern, if I'm not mistaken. Jolton okay. Joe was he not? Yes, Jolton Joe, Joe Blanchard, Blanchard had okay. wars with Fritz von Erich, from what I understand, also. Can anyone tell me a bit about him as the guy who doesn't know anything about Joe Blanchard except that he's Tully's dad and was a promoter? I heard that Vern made a comment one time years ago that Joe Blanchard was one of the best athletes he'd ever been around. Well, wow. yeah, from that's, Vern, a, that's a big thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, well, let's obviously talk about Tully Blanchard now. Uh, I love this I, because, you know, we have a few friends who uh, are newer fans. Maybe they're not in the 80s and they couldn't understand because they see Tully now and they wonder why he's hated. Wow. I know why he's hated. Go look up some of his stuff. This guy had something about him that made you want to punch him in the face when he just would say hello to you. He was like the most, he was the biggest you, dick as a wrestler, man. You Back in the day, back in the day when um, there was Vern and his, and his son, uh, Greg, Greg Ganya, Greg was a baby face. Mm-hmm. There was Fritz. And uh, he was a promoter, and his kids were all baby faces. Uh, Mike Graham, his uh, – I'm sorry, Eddie Graham, his uh, – Mike was a baby face. Mm-hmm. All the promoters that had their kids wrestling, the kids were all baby faces, except for Tully. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> and it, awesome. I, I never realized that. So one day me and him were talking, and and um, and for some reason it was like, you know – it. Everybody, you know, fell in love with the, the the promoter's son and that type of stuff, and and they're putting in deals where the promoter's son got beat up, and so, you know, by the by the top heel who took advantage of him because he was a young kid or whatever, and Tully was like, I didn't, you know, I wanted to be different, which is funny because that's what I try and preach to you know to guys all the time is try and be different, try and stand out. Tully was like, I want to be different, and uh, you know, I you know, I, I my personality didn't lend itself to being the good guy, you know, goody two shoes. So I was just me and that worked and Tully was, he, you know, I mean, if you see him, he wasn't the biggest guy. He wasn't uh, 
the strongest guy. He was just like someone just said right now. He was just uh, a dick. Yeah. And 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 people hated him here in San Antonio. People were like, "All right, Joe, we love you, we love you." And Toad would come out and f you, you know, you suck and that type of stuff. <laughs> so real quick, I'm just trying to think from from a historical perspective. Was Tully at any point in his career ever a babyface? I think so. They kill. they did a deal. Yeah, Tully left the area when I. I think we got a bit of a freeze up there. Started when I came in. So when he was later, Tully left to the Car- to the Carolinas. And then, uh, so here was Jonathan Bolchmiller, the sheep herders, and they had this thing called the Commonwealth Army. And Joe Blanchard was the promoter trying to get rid of him. And uh, so he brought in Tully uh, in the middle of this big storyline to, you know, John- one, one day Jonathan Boyd attacked Joe and beat him up and all stuff. And so Tully comes to, back to the area for a couple of shows to to get his dad's revenge and so yeah t- tell him was wow. a baby for a little bit and and he was hot but that didn't last too long though yeah <laughs> uh, he was there for a few for a little while and then he went back he was he, you know he's back to being a bad guy again fair enough fair enough this is a case of the uh, nick bockwinkle chic adnan yeah <laughs> three weeks is a good guy and then although Bockwinkle's... by the sounds by the sounds of things that mm-hmm. that to me seems like the only way that you could probably and you know, especially back then make mm-hmm. tully a viable baby face is that he's coming back to defend his family's honor especially when dad was such a big baby face yeah right exactly. like really exactly. like what else are you gonna do to to make like cause to me that's like you know like ricky steamboat like kind of like lifelong baby face kind of thing like to me like tully mm-hmm. blanchard that's that's like lifelong heel like there's just he shouldn't be a baby face well, right it, right when tully oh, when and Tino hernandez they were a huge heel tag team down there in southwest championship wrestling and when they finally split up the team tully remained heel and gino Turned <laughs> which is crazy because right. to me it's the same thing most of gino to me seems like heel too exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. he was a huge baby face when he turned but yeah they didn't turn totally so, they turned gino. so what happened was they were because uh, i was i was now uh you know i was in the ter- in, in the area now and and um watching everything so what happened was tully and gino had a title match against the champions the grapplers and mm-hmm. they did a couple of deals where uh Gino, you know, one of the grapplers, or Gino went to go hit one of the grapplers, and he moved out of the way, and he accidentally hit Tully, and, um, you know, Tully went to go, you know, tag in Gino, and when Tully didn't see, you know, one of the grapplers punched Gino, and Gino fell off the ring, so when Tully went to go tag Gino, he wasn't there, so, the, you know, that makes Gino, I mean, that makes Tully pissed, and um, so they did a deal at the end where, uh, Tully made the little comeback and then he got cut off and then Gino got tagged in. He makes the comeback and Tully's on the side of the ring, you know, you know, uh, selling his injuries, I guess you could say. And then Gino rolls up the grappler, but as he's doing so, he runs the grappler into Tully and they fall. I'm sorry, opposite. The grappler runs uh, Gino yeah, into, yeah. The, into the ropes and Gino hits Tully right when Tully turns around to see Gino coming at him. So Tully falls off the ring. The grappler rolls up Gino. Gino rolls it all the way through and then ends up pinning the grappler. One, two, three. Gino wins. He grabs the belts. They, he's jumping up and down. He gives the belt to Telly. Telly, you know, looks at Gino for a second like, you son of a gun, and just nails him. And when he did that, uh, it was Don Carson as the manager for the grapplers. And mm-hmm. so when Telly nailed him, the three heels, the grapplers and Don Carson, kind of like, like, oh, shit. They all stopped and looked. 
and the place went nuts, just like, ooh, and then F you, Tyler, you son of a bitch, you blah, blah, blah. And, 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 you know, you beat up Gino for a little while, and then Gino made his comeback, and Tully got out of the ring, and the place was just Gino, 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 and, and um, Gino played it up, you know, perfectly. He, likes stood around the ring and looked around like you guys are cheering for me and he pointed to himself and <laughs> you know that type of stuff and and the place got louder and it was just one of those moments you're like holy cow that's how you you know that's how you make a yeah and it was, <laughs> it was great the way they did it too because they they actually turned him but they were they had two heel tag teams you know so, yeah. right in that match which was unusual for that day you know yeah but, yeah you know, it, i find it funny is sometimes when i look back at uh the, the of videotapes and uh, and some of the network stuff where they're showing like old stuff with Tully Blanchard, right? I realize I've concentrated more when I was younger on the more main events like the Ric Flair things and stuff like that. And I didn't, you know, I've watched them, but I didn't pay as much attention as I am now. And all I'm seeing when I'm watching matches with Tully in it, especially matches with him and Arn Anderson, is how aggravating he is to anybody, no matter their size, <laughs> no matter how good they are. He's pushing gout, you know, he's getting into it before the thing starts. Arn's kind of standing back, chuckling a bit, most of it. And he is just like this jerk, just spoiling for a fight at a bar on a Saturday night. And you know, it's he's like that it's, yappy. It's like the yappy dog kind of yep, 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 yep. And he didn't bag away a lot, sir. He's like that guy with the small man syndrome who has that chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Yes. And what made it actually a little more effective was the fact is, yes, as the bad guy, sometimes he'd run away, but not as much as you would think. A lot of the times he'd sit there and take the punch. And get up and and still be yapping and <laughs> going at it yeah. and cheating. So I think that's what made him such an effective jerk. Like, and, and that's the thing, away. and the thing is that is is that's really Tully. Mm-hmm. He, is it? I, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I liked i I've known I've known Tully since I got out of high school. I mean, for years and years, and uh, he's always been that arrogant guy. I've always got along with him. He's never. We've never had crosswords or anything like that. But I've watched him and how he uh, how he communicated with other guys and making little snide comments that you know somebody would like you son of a gun. You know I can't believe yeah, you said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that type yeah. of stuff. You know. So he's I believe living it. it. I believe, yeah, yeah, I believe it. it. I believe it. <laughs> he, he is what he looked like. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and of course, uh, in that next generation, we have his daughter Tessa Blanchard, who has made a great name for herself in a relatively short time in her career. She's also she's well, she's won the Impact World title, which is very interesting for a woman to win a man's title in this day and age. Um, it's hard to tell in this whole COVID thing exactly where her career is going, because I know it's right now. I guess she got married to some guy in Mexico. So she, she got married to Daga. Yeah, so, but it seems like she's been reluctant to leave that country because she might not he might not be put back into America. So there's that whole thing. So we're not sure where that's going, but you got to give her props. I mean, it's a tough world. It's a, even tougher for women independent wrestlers these days uh, to make a big splash anywhere, you know? Uh, so kudos on her. I know, I know like, I know like a few years ago, she had a lot of um, heat, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And I guess she said something she shouldn't have. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know the whole story. So yeah, I've been skirting around that. There issue, was a lot yeah. of talk of. Yeah, there was a lot of talk of of you know of blackballing her, and you know yeah. no, no one wants to book her and stuff like that. But uh, she's made it. She's made a name for herself and through hard work, from mm-hmm. what I've seen. 
I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't talk for that much. I don't talk for it at all, really. But it's just from what I've seen on the out from the outside looking yeah. at. Yeah. And I, uh, she's made a name for herself. I guess the only place that she's really going to have problems with is the WWE is very much not enthralled with uh, some public comments that female wrestlers of color have said that, and Spanish wrestlers who have said things that she said to them in the ring to, and not, <laughs> not in a, uh, I don't know, in a cheerleading way, I guess, I guess she just has said but some things in the heat of the moment that were very it, taken as racist. But it, but it's kind of helped her character though. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you would think that in, like, in, you know, in this day and age that, you know, she, she would be, uh, blackball i guess you know and nobody would want to deal with her but uh she, she you know and there's been conversation and arguing back and forth and what have you and but mm-hmm. but uh uh impact gave her that belt man they put the belt on her in the middle of all that by the way mm-hmm. you know and that was what i saw that was like holy cow so uh i've heard i've heard some you know rumors here and there that uh she's talked to wwe i don't know that for a fact i've just heard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so that, and, and I wouldn't be, and I would really wouldn't be surprised if they did pick her up, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah, I, that's a tough one to talk about. I, you know, she's done some really good stuff. Uh, the whole situation, how things ended with impact was rather embarrassing and unprofessional. Um, so, you know, that's, that's going to be but, a bit of a detriment to some of the other places that might want to. But in, her de- but in her defense, she's not the mm-hmm. first to do nope. that. No, she's and, not at all. And she's, she's not, not going to be the last, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I get, mm-hmm. I get the reasoning she had was, you know, you know, because of the COVID thing and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, she was going to get married. You know, she just got married a few weeks ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, you can, you know, there's a side that's like, that wasn't, that wasn't cool. But then there's another side where it's like, I get it. And she's not the first, you know, so no. it'll take, you know, wrestling's a weird, it's a weird business, man. It's, you know. <laughs> now, do you think, <laughs> do you think we're possibly going to see her end up in AEW? I mean, her dad's there right now. He's her, a, her dad's there. Yeah. Let me, t- let me, let me, let me say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys like Cody is, you know, and, and Dusty and, and, and Telly was, was, um, they had, you know, they had a relationship there that wasn't a yep. bad relationship. Dusty, Dusty knew. I, I think I'm not sure, but I think Joe broke Dusty in, or has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Blanchards and the Rhodes family, uh, they, they, there's a long, you know, history there. So history again, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Tesla did show up at AEW. I would like to see that. They definitely need a shot in the arm in their women's division right now, for sure. Uh, yeah, well, they're, they're heck of a lot going more than you don't think. I, I think I think they've actually built up their women's division. I thought they did well. before this COVID thing, but I think it wiped off with all their foreign wrestlers that were there, and it left them with the lower tiered American wrestlers. And then two of them got injured. So without Sheeta, I, I thought they the division has been a little bit weak at the moment. You know, well, six I months ago so. I would have thought better shape, but right now it's a little bit weak. Um, I don't know. They've been like a few weeks ago. I saw a match with Thunder mm-hmm. Rosa and uh, yes, uh, is that Ivelisse? Uh, you mean is no, he? Okay, well that that it, yes, uh, and that was that was a good match. And then the following week they came mm-hmm. back with uh, Ivelisse, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. they have the girl Ty Ty uh, Ty Conti from from NXT. So yeah. I think they've been adding some people in there, which is uh, I don't know if they're in the contract or not. No, but, but well, uh, Ty Conti is, but they, uh, Thund- with Thunder Rosa is not. 
Right, 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 right. So, I mean, it looks like they're trying to build yeah. up something there. But again, like you said, if they brought in Tessa, man, that would yeah. That'd be a great you know, shot in the arm. That would really, right. Okay, well, you know what? This you get. You gave us the perfect segue for the next. Oh, did we? Yeah. Okay. You gave us the perfect segue for the next family. Let's talk about the Rhodes family. We got Dusty Rhodes. We got Dustin Rhodes and Cody Rhodes. So first right. of all, Dusty Rhodes. Come on, guys. I'm sure everybody here could tell us something cool or something about Dusty Rhodes they really liked. Savio, you got anything with Dusty Rhodes in your head? I I met him here in Puerto Rico one time that he come down. I uh, never worked. I never had the chance. To work with him uh head of a hand what i see from him in videos and stuff like that i mean he was over he know how to talk to the people he had the people in his pocket you know he he know how to manage manage the the fans and uh well i don't have the chance to to work with him <clears throat> also I, I was having the chance to work uh with flair one time here in puerto rico too but they switched the the card uh because of some story that we was doing locally <clears throat> but oh yeah, I mean I had the chance to work with with Dustin. Uh, uh, matter of fact, with his character of uh, Goldust, <laughs> when we work in in WWF, they they just have him uh, sitting there uh, every Monday night and never was on TV. I remember one time I asked him what's going on with you, and he said they don't know what to do with they they they, they want to do. To me, so what do you I don't know? You know, I said, I know what I can do with you. He said, You really? He said, I'm gonna talk to Pat. I said, Talk to Pat. So I went to a match and I come back and here Pat asked me about uh, Dustin told me that you know what to do with him on his character. So, yeah, well, I have an idea that I, we could do something to, to build him up. He said, Okay, uh, get ready. You guys going in. So we sit down and we start talking. And, uh, and that's when the, the Goldos start doing his stuff, you know, and uh, we start building the characters slow, slow, slow till he just, he just run. And then after that, he forget about me, but that's okay. <laughs> I still love him. I still love him. <laughs> Who's keeping track? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least he didn't do you he bad did. like Hulk Hogan would have. <laughs> <laughs> remember, I remember... Uh, by the time Dakota, his, his daughter, was just a baby, and uh, I, I was, you know, soon I arrived at the building, I dropped my bag and run towards her, and I was with her hanging all over the place. We were going to play wrestling and stuff like that, and uh, now she's a grown, you know, woman, and bless her, and, and, and Terry, too, the mother. Uh, was a was a goodly, uh, you know. When when we are there, uh, we have fun. We have fun. Okay. Well, uh, Chief, you got a Dusty Rhodes uh, memory story thought? Yeah. Well, I think uh, last uh, episode I talked about Dusty quite a bit, and the few with Superstar Billy Graham. Yeah. Uh, probably one of my early early uh, memories of Dusty, but uh, yeah, great talker. You know, probably in the top three of all time, I would say, uh, for sure, and. Um, the, the the match that uh, I think it's been what a year and a year year maybe year and a half now the match between uh, Dustin and Cody I thought was excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, the first AEW pay per view. Yeah, yeah, that match Classic. was very, very lots of blood, and it mm-hmm. just yeah, it, it, it that match very much like these are Dusty's kids. 
<laughs> uh, Rudy, you got any uh, memories, thoughts, things about Dusty, or Dusty Rhodes? I, uh, um, I, use, I use Dusty as an example when I, tell, when I talk to my kids about gimmicks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he went, when he showed up at, at WWF, uh, they gave him the pizza man thing or whatever. And oh, from what I understand, yeah. the comment, yeah. And from what I understand, you know, that was kind of like as a, a rib of some type from Vince, you know, mm-hmm. they gave him the, the, uh, older lady to be his valet. Meanwhile, everybody else has Sherry Martell, yeah. these hot, you know, hot chicks and stuff. And, and, you know, from like, like I said, from what I understand, that was like a jab from, from Vince, but he made it work. Yeah. You know, he made it work and, and uh, he was over just as, as a macho man was or anybody else. He was, you know, and, um, you know, if, if a guy, you know, if you, what I tell my guys is, you know, if Dusty can do it, you know, mm-hmm. why can't anybody else? You know, and then that's maybe that may be a reach, but it's just putting the effort <laughs> in, you know. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Andy, anything pops in oh. about uh, Dusty? I, I would say, and I'm going to kind of get back to, to Rudy's point too. For me, again, a lot of the early stuff on Dusty was was the history books, was the magazines. Yeah. You know, you're reading especially about like the the Flair versus Rhodes feuds, and, and we talked about that in uh, some of the past episodes, yeah. most recently about the feuds. Um, 100% what, what Rudy said, you know, like, with Dusty and, and his initial WWF run is, or not initial, because I mean, he was there before, but... Um, with, with this one, with the, with the whole combat thing is, is making it work. And the only thing I'm going to kind of disagree on, I, I agree to, with Rudy in the sense that, you know, you, you take what you're given, you give it 110%, you make, you know, you do the best of it with the time you have, whatever you got. That's, that's that. I think that's pro wrestling 101 in terms of, you know, working within the company, working with the gimmick. Um, I don't know that, you know, anybody, I mean, we, we talk about, you know, I don't know if we hear it as much, but we talk about that X factor in, in wrestling. Uh, you know, there's a certain charisma, the certain it, you know, maybe can't always describe it, but you, when you see it, you can go like, that's it. And I think Dusty is like probably one of the definitive embodiments of having that it, that having that personality that's larger than life, the personality that can connect with the audience that can get that emotional response that he can, you know, the promos, you know, you look at all the dusty fans, you look at the people that can recite dusty promos verbatim. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Like it, you know, it, it, it sucks that he's gone because I mean, you know, you can, you can tell his, his uh, handprints all over NXT and you talk to more of this current generation uh, of superstars and, you know, Dusty helped me with this. Dusty was here for this. Dusty, Dusty, Dusty. So much positive stuff that man, it's like, I, yeah, it's it's a it's, it's a shame he's gone. But uh, uh, it's when you do I've recently seen quite a few things about Mount Rushmore as a wrestling, and I think it'd be pretty hard pressed not to not to put Dusty on there. Okay, that's fair. Now, I'm not going to reiterate the story. I must have said uh, two or three times already about the first Dusty Rhodes <laughs> thing. I'm not going to talk about that one again. Okay, that was Mistaken embarrassing. Identity. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. What I will talk about is a year after that, when now I do know the difference between Dusty Rhodes and Hulk Hogan. Now that I know the difference between them, uh, I come across a videotape in my local video store. Yes, there was a store that rented videos, kids. It's 
gone. But anyways, uh, there was a place I rented a video. It was called I Like to Hurt People. So I put this thing in, and it was the most ridiculous. I didn't realize at the, okay, the encapsulation of Dusty Rhodes was he was one of the most ridiculous people (laughs) talking in that entire thing, the way he talked and carried on about his uncoming match. I I was like, I don't understand, (laughs) you know, Uh, but uh, I, I, as, as, Videotapes started to become available. Once again, we weren't getting very much wrestling that wasn't Canadian or local. Uh, as things were starting to become available and I was purchasing tapes and renting tapes, I got to see more and more of Dusty Rhodes and really enjoyed what I saw a lot. Um, the only goofy thing I will tell you, you made a point. You said people can say his uh, promos uh, verbatim. Uh, I remember one time, I was many times forcing my wife to watch wrestling. And yes, it, for her, it is forcing her to watch it. And uh we're watching it, and one day she said she didn't really understand Dusty Rhodes, like why these people loved him so much. So I managed to find a few things about him, and uh, she kind of got it. But I started doing the hard times thing for two weeks straight about anything. I would drop something and explain how it was hard times for me. <laughs> and in his voice, and I went on for so long with that. She just thought that was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> Now, we had Dustin Rhodes come out of this family. Um, It's a hard measure with Dustin Rhodes. There are some people will tell you that uh, he uh, was a great superstar. But then there are people that also on on the flip side say that he didn't anywhere measure up to his dad. I'm not going to I'm not sure how to approach that one because I've I've loved a lot of Goldust and I've loved a lot of what he's done now. So I'm on the fence about that one. you guys want to weigh in a bit about Dustin? I know, I know Savio had a great story about him, but did you guys think that he kind of felt because that's that's happened in the history of wrestling quite a bit too, where the big name father uh, next people fall down, you know, as, as compared to their father. What did you guys think of Dustin uh, versus uh, somebody's got a TV on? Yeah. Rudy, you got a TV on? <laughs> yeah, but I'm lowering it. I'm sorry. Okay, no problem. <laughs> okay, so yeah, mute, mute, mute it. I can <laughs> so, it. Okay, so dust, so Dustin. Some people claim that he hasn't really lived up to what his father was, not even in the same stratosphere. I don't know. I I think he has in some ways, but I want to know what you guys think. Has Dustin sh- gone up in that echelon, or has he kind of fallen short of it? Well, uh, you know, the the my point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all you guys talking about the uh, the Dustin, Dustin have in it was a different totally mm-hmm. era. I mean, you have yes. you have the timing matches, mm-hmm. easy matches. You don't have to do rush nothing. You have to work the people. You make the people cheer for you. You make the people get up from those. You 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 work with the timing, and you have. A professional on this side and a professional on the other side. They know when to stop, to look at the people, to work the people, to continue to the next step. You know, these days, mm-hmm. uh, the kids don't look, you know, they don't even look at the fans. I mean, well, they don't have fans in the arena now, but let's talk about one year, a year, let's go one year back. You know, they don't even look at the people. They just continue doing as the robot, like a robot, Spots, mm-hmm. spots, spots. You know, hey, you you work for those fans, and Dustin had that. The first thing he do is say hello to the people because he talked to the people when his interviews. He he put the people in. You know, the son of the plumber, 
I mean, I mean, I mean, you, you go in, you are, and he never said, "I'm the son of the president of the United States," right. you know, the son of the plumber. So, so you know, the the son of the car carpenter or the the mechanic, whatever. I mean, people that you love and and with the charisma that he have, you know, by that time, it's it's different to to connect. It's not, of course, it's not Dustin or his brother at all because it's it's a different era. You know, but what they doing, the people are buying it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. When I work with Dustin in WWF, when I yeah when I when I work with Dustin in WWF, I mean, that's the way we do. We all time uh, wrestling. I never rushing. Let's let's go here. Let's solve. Let's work with the come back to the next spot and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember house shows us that we are. I mean, I, I work. I worked with Austin in Stanford, Connecticut. was a Sunday. I remember that like was yesterday, man. And uh, uh, somebody said, oh, he's just in the house. So good, you know, he's there every time. But we have a hell of a match. Dustin and me, we come, I mean, we get, I mean, was a lot of pain in that area too. But we have the people in our hands. People went down and up and down. Here we come to the dressing room. He's in the back. He shake our hands. He said, what a hell of a match. I mean, that was, a, I mean, he was happy. I said to him, put us in the pay-per-view. He never put it, <laughs> Dustin and me in the pay-per-view. But, I mean, together, together. Uh, he, they put it in different matches. But yeah. Dustin and me together, never, never. And, uh, I mean, I have great matches with Dustin. I mean, the, the, the time is different right now. What, what, whatever they do there, I don't follow nothing of rest, just a little bit here, there, uh, you know, but sit down and, and, and to watch whatever television show uh, is hard for me now. You know, I'm too busy doing all the stuff. That I don't have the time to, to sit down. But the little thing that I watch, you know, uh, Dustin and his brother, they're both great, great hands, great people. They, they, they've been working with defense, the story that they build in is the way they, they need to do it right now. I mean, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Now, now there's a great thing you said too. Timing, right? I mean, I mean, Dusty Rhodes could go up and do an interview and tell you to put your hand on the television <laughs> to join yeah. in. With a wrestler today yeah. who did that would be mocked so hard it would oh, never work. It, but yeah, back then, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know. You know. It's like a please, please be with me, brother. Put your hand on the television <laughs> right now. Please and like the people just do it. Yeah. And and, and yeah, that, yeah. the night you have a full house just for that yeah. interview. Full, yeah. full house. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> now you, you know what you brought up Cody. Let's talk about Cody here for a second. And Cody, uh, yeah. and I just want to weigh in really quickly and let you guys uh, tell me what you think too. Uh, I've loved Cody Rhodes. I mean, I was a little skeptical at the beginning of this, you know, um, he was, uh, he was that stardust character, which was seen like a clown thing. And then he yeah. was the the handsome guy with the mask and none of that spoke out as like, you know, main event status type of guy. It seemed like the mid card act. Right. So when he came in, you know, he came here in Edmonton a few times and wrestled and he was, he was pretty amazing. And I wondered how that would translate. And then I watch him, uh, constantly on AEW, and I'm very impressed. You know, he he seems to me to be this guy who can wrestle the style of now, but he has the sensibility. Uh, he's drawing in a lot of the old school stuff. Storytelling. It's a, storytelling. It's, a mix, it's a mix of the modern day stuff with the old school storytelling. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the only the only thing I find weird about him, 
and maybe you guys will not see this, but this is what I see being a fan of him, his son, his brother and his father is sometimes I think he desperately wants to be his father too much where you find himself blading constantly when it's not really needed. You find him like last week they had, they got into a dog collar match for absolutely no reason. There was absolutely no reason or buildup, but it just seems like he wants to get under his belt, all the things his dad did. You know, and that's my only detriment is the guy is scarring himself up as a young guy. He is constantly cut a lot and in matches that it doesn't make sense or it doesn't even even be needed whatsoever. That's my only detriment for him right now is because it's just not needed some of the times and he's leaving bad scars on himself. You can see it on his face constantly. Uh, what do you guys think of Cody Rhodes? Uh, Chief, why don't we start with you? Well, um, yeah, I somewhat agree with that. With that, I mean, he even with some of the the you know the names they've been copywriting name. He's I think he's just trying to fulfill like his keep his dad's legacy alive. Yeah. Maybe uh, not so much be him or, or pay homage to his you know to his style and his career the way he did things. But but it's like the match I referred to between him and Dustin a couple of years ago. That's kind of touching on what Savio said. That's what made that exciting because. Like Savio said, you got so many things. It's like robots in there now, and they just do spot yeah. spot. Back in the days, people emotionally connected to Dusty. There was, like I said a couple a couple weeks ago, good wrestling should be drama. You know, yeah. that's what, what fills the seats. You want to be emotionally invested in this character and feel like you're part of the match. The fans do when they're when they're cheering him on, helping him bring him back, which I think is lost on a lot of today's wrestlers, where they just go in there and ignore the yeah. crowd. They might. They might acknowledge the crowd on the way to the ring, but then they get in the ring and they just wrestle. And, and you know, a heel should be a heel all the way through the match. They should be a face. And and the crowd should emotionally be emotionally invested in that face winning that match. And I think when you just have spot, spot, spot now, like you look at somebody like Ricky Morton or Dusty who played to the crowd, you know, like, help me. They're, they're looking at the crowd, bleeding, you mm -hmm. know, reaching for the crowd as, as you know, the, the – he'll ask them on a rear chin lock or something, but they're saying, I need your help. The crowd would cheer and then they would come back. You know, I think that's what's lost on a lot of today's uh, crowd. But I think, I think, I think that's uh, one thing that, that Cody does try to bring back. And, and that match a, a couple of years ago, I think that's why that stood out for me. The match with him and Dustin had emotion and people were emotionally invested in that and cared about the match and it cared about the people in it. And, and that's what made that so special. Uh, compared to, so I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen a lot of uh, Cody stuff. I don't see a lot of AEW or AEW stuff uh, lately. So I, I didn't know that he was blading a lot. But yeah, I think I think if you do overdo it, then it kind of loses its meaning. But if yeah. you do it, yeah, special circumstances and a blow off, you know, to bring extra drama to a feud. But yeah, not just for the sake of blood. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> like I've said, I've always been uh, a fan of all kinds of wrestling. And I think some of the coolest things you do see, there are some great matches where guys ha are bleeding and blood can become a factor. I've not become one of those guys who's who poobahs it. But I do find sometimes it seemed in the run of his uh, title defenses and things like that. There were times against opponents that it just didn't have a, it didn't even have a room or made a lot of sense that he would just get blood, you know. And uh, last week, I had to say, was the, 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 sad, the, the most confusing thing for me is like a dog collar match was it was not even the main event of, of last week's program, you know, and there was absolutely no buildup. 
it's just uh, the one week the guy said, fine, next week we're having a dog collar match mm-hmm. from two guys who never carried a dog collar in any of the wrestling thing. There was no, the guy, okay, the guy who. No, no reason, no reason at all. No, no, no jumping on you with the, with the chain or, no, or nothing, dragging nothing. you by the neck or, and, or and how about blah, this? blah, blah. How about this, Savio? The guy who proposed the match was the guy who was always running away, yet he proposes that they be chained to each other. Yeah, he's the guy who powders out every time they meet each other. Right. That yeah, didn't make any no sense. sense either. So maybe uh, maybe maybe what what they have in their in their head other than than the story of or storyteller or, or, or to have the fans in, they mm-hmm. looking for the rating. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is they're that. No, for it definitely ratings. is a shot let's for the whatever. So let's let's do whatever we have to do. To get a number, you know, mm-hmm. and but that's gonna hurt yourself. But later you're gonna run out of gimmicks, exactly. and you know what's gonna happen. The numbers anyway is going down. Yeah, true, true. You uh, know, that so being said, it was one of the best dog collar matches. To, to, to a good story. Yeah. Pardon? All right, uh, Andy. I, you know what, I, I think most of what most of uh, kind of my similar thought process on on uh, Cody has kind of been said. I mean, from the fact of him being here, working with him in PWA, he was always very cool. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's just the guys, well, I mean, he worked primarily with Michael Richard Blaze. They had great mm-hmm. matches. It's a shame that uh, he hasn't signed Michael Richard Blaze to AEW, but what do I know? I'm not biased <laughs> at all. Um, I, you know, and then I, I agree. You know, and, and you know, you and I have had this discussion a little yep. bit, both on and off of, of the podcast about, about, uh, you know, if he's trying to do too much, if he's trying to be a little bit like Dusty. Um, but I think what Savio just said to me encapsulated things perfectly, at least with that dog collar match where, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe, it's, maybe I just kind of thought similar, but the way Savio put it to me, it was just like, yeah, like that's it. It's just, it's, it's like WWE in the sense that, okay, we're getting that quick hit. It's like dog collar match. Okay, well, that hasn't been on TV. WWE hasn't done that. Okay, we're going to do dog collar match, and we're going to get color. Boom, that should do it. But as we went back, and you know, as we talked about, there's no build. There's no story, so you're not investing. There. That time's not there. And and it's, it's you know, it, 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 it's – and, and with, with, the, with, with the, the people I'm sharing here with – uh, I know that you've either told me this or that I know you'll agree in some respect, but it rest professional wrestling. As we talk about storytelling and sex, or sorry, storytelling and, and build up. No, no, but it, but yeah. it's but it's like but it's like sex, and that and that's what that's and that's what happens, right? I mean, you know, the the, the foreplay, the build up before you get the big finish, and then then your there's your pop. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. This is the best feeling. Like I'm satisfied. Whereas like with this. It's almost like no foreplay, no nothing. It's like, you know, this is like, okay, 30-second porn. Finish. Done. <laughs> there, there's no buildup. There's no, it's like, okay, that was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. But now what? Now what are you going to show me? Now what are you going to do? Okay. And, uh, that, like- and that's, that's, I think that that's, I mean, that's, that's part of the problem with society in general, right? Is and again, going back to society, is you know if you're not going to do it in in 90 characters or 190 characters, you're not going to do it in 15 seconds or a minute and a half. People are going to tune out, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and Savio says it's like, okay, well, they're doing it for the TV ratings. Well, that might pop the rating for this week, but eventually you're going to run out of ideas. Then what? Mm-hmm. Hot okay. shot booking is what we used yeah. to call back. Yes, today. yes, yes, yes. And, and you're going to get you're going to get a, a short term effect, yeah. but then long term it hurts. You know, over time. Yeah. 
as a middle-aged uh, North American man, all I can ask is, what's foreplay? All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Cody Rhodes, very interesting. Uh, now, I've been, I kind of been saving this one for a bit. Let, let's talk about the Cologne family, okay? Carlos Cologne and his family. And uh, I'll tell you my first exposure, uh, once again, magazines for the longest yep. time. Uh, I, have, I have to say I have never actually seen, because there's also a hard to find uh, videos of, is of, of, of a full Carlos Cologne match. I've oh, never seen one. Yeah, I, I have yet to find them, and I will. I'll look for them. I keep searching around, but there's so many. You know, I got a giant list. Um, Carlos and Brody. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. Okay. I will look those up on YouTube. I have yet not to really see them, but I have seen some of his work. Um, I do remember, and I've mentioned this many times, that when I was a 13, 14-year-old boy in Canada, we had something called the Financial News Network. Mm -hmm. And it would run financials all week. But on Saturdays, it showed Kung Fu movies and wrestling from Puerto Rico. Which, (laughs) Okay. I never, I'd always heard about it, read about it. because it was also in Spanish, um, I don't know any of the stories or things that were going on. And I'd listen for the names and I knew the names from the magazine. So that part I could follow along with. Uh, my most vivid memory, of course, was Abdullah the Butcher and Bruiser Brody hucking chairs at the, each other in the middle of an arena, like in the top. Some crazy wild stuff. But I always wanted to know more about Carlos Colon. And uh, so, first of all, let's talk about Carlos Colon, because I'm going in as I know he was a legendary guy. I know he had these great matches. I know he had a giant feud with Abdullah the Butcher. Um, what do you guys tell me? You guys tell me about Carlos Colon. First. I think you should start with Savio. Or at least okay, like Savio. Far and away. Oh, Carlos <laughs> all, Colon. All due respect, Chief. I think this, yeah. <laughs> well, um, what, what I remember when, when I started watching uh, – wrestling and, and they start here uh 74 75 the, the top guys was uh, uh jose miguel perez senior mm-hmm. rest in peace in soul uh uh gorilla monsoon which was one of the, the one of the top heels he was a uh, uh, uh corporate in the company between jovica and him and carlos uh in in carlos I mean, it was Jose Rivera also uh, a guy from Puerto Rico, and, and, and Carlos was that in that going going up when when they uh, they bring Abdullah the Butcher, and, and Abdullah the Butcher is the 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 one that made Carlos Colon because you have this big huge monster coming to 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 tormentate and, and finish with a local one, so they use. They use, I say, they use the violin, the violin, in where you got the dude wanna wanna finish, and the guy bring a hook, you know. <laughs> so whoa, you, you start getting a real heat with uh, Abdullah the butcher. Remember one of the stories uh, was uh, Daddy Dutch Mantel and Franklin the Cowboys. This is a television was building to the to the to the arena, of course. I don't know that because that, that was my beginning. But uh, then you have those guys uh, with a big bag of uh, coins saying these are $10,000 of coins. And whoever beat them, they will get the coins. What happened here on television uh, was Carlos and I, I believe Jose, maybe. I, I forget who was his partner in that moment. But Frank Lane and, and, and uh, Daddy Dutch Mantel, 
they lose the match, but they they cheat and they jump on Carlos and, and Billy Jose Rivera. They turn babyface Huracan Castillo Sr., that, that television right there. And the crowd, I remember the crowd was a small crowd on television, just like a one, just one bleacher. Uh, this is in a studio and the people went crazy there. So the night the show packed shows. So they start packing shows left and right with the, with the Americans and start making money. The tickets was what, $5 and two, uh, you know, by that time. Uh, and, and they have great, great stories on television. Uh, Carlos Colon then made Abdullah the Butcher world champion. I mean, Puerto Rican champion first because they they went to they went and, and attack the uh, the national nationality. You know, you have a, a, a Puerto Rican with the Puerto Rican belt. Then you had this uh, outsider guy stealing the belt. I mean, now you 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 go to the proud, pride, the pride, the proud. Yeah. exactly proud. And, and when, when Carlos went to get the title back, of course, the people was there. Then come the world title. Then the universal title. But at the meantime, you start having matches with Abdul Butcher in where uh, a boat wire match. You got a lumberjack match. You have all kind of a gimmick matches. But every Saturday night, you have a pack house. You know, they're making tons of money. Uh, uh, and Carlos was making, you know, the only thing they, they call him the acrobatic guy. The only thing he do was a start and touching his feet. You the know, cartwheel, the cartwheel. Yeah. And then the, the jump up. Kind, kind of like David Lee Roth touching his toes. Yeah. yeah but, but, but I, you know who I think he stole that from uh, Jack Beneno in, in the Dominican Republic. Uh, but Carlos uh, wrestled as a heel in Canada as Carlos Belafonte. You know, yes. he, he wrestled over there in Canada. He was a heel, too. Uh, he made a, a tag team with Abdullah the Butcher in Japan, too, uh, uh, against Bill Mascara as an old boss guy over there. Uh, when when internet wasn't on, now it's, it's kind of a, you have to stay in where you're at. Yeah. You know, because everything is touched. But in, uh, by that time, Carlos Colon was uh, the big superstar here in Puerto Rico. Uh, everywhere uh, we go and Carlos face somebody uh, with a big name was a good house there. Uh, actually, when, they, when the TNT arrived in Capital Sport Promotion, the gimmick was that I, I want to face Carlos Colon. Uh, I never talk. I had the profe, uh, Angelo Rivera, which was the manager. So what we look at it was for uh, the opportunity of, you know, to, to get the belt. And, and Carlos always ignored it. What happened here I was on television for almost almost close to a year, beating everybody. Everybody that come to me, I beat him up, beat him up. Some story here, but just television. So the people already want to see this guy. So here come the, the the story with Carlos and where I put the cobra clutch on Carlos. I don't want to wake the foam in the mouth. Jovica comes to wake him up, a big mess. So we call the attention of the champion. So now we want uh, a championship belt. We went to the Colón in Puerto Rico, Roberto Clemente, and we packed the place, you know, and, and we continued with the, with the fight. Uh, then later I turned baby face with Carlos too and, and come back to, to be uh, a strong there. I mean, he, he helped me. Of course, him and Bader helped me in my career. But uh, Carlos is, is a, a name here in Puerto Rico. Matter of fact, the other day, uh, last week, 
I put I, I upload uh, uh, a video. It's a funny. I coming from this arena and I coming outside. It was kind of a dark. And, and this girl, I say she's in the twenties something, and she said she says to me before, uh, "Hey Carlitos, how you doing?" So when she said that to me, I start laughing and I put my phone as I record this. So I, I, I just record, I say, hey, how you doing? And she said, hey, I remember you when I was a leader. I say, who I am? She said, Carlitos Colon. I say, yeah. <laughs> so I, I put the video on Facebook and, and on YouTube and fans are laughing. Everybody, they're happy. I make them happy with that video. And uh, uh, I laugh, I laugh. You know, before when I started, I was kind of a mad uh, with the company there. But now when you grow and you've been in promotion, you've been the other side of the desk working mm-hmm. with, with all these great people in wrestling, you learn. You have to learn. So, uh, you know, maybe he did what he did in, in a few other times. Some bad decisions, some good decisions. But there are decisions anyway. And you learn from that. And, and I learned uh, from what happened to me in, in their company. You know, when, when I left the company the first time, the only person that I talked was to him because he's the one that talked to me in the beginning. So when I leave the company, uh, I said, I need to talk to him. Uh, you know, I need to talk to Jovica and I talk to Jose. I talked to Carlos. And he know already that I'm leaving. Uh, and when I come back to the company, it was through another person uh, that I come back. But Carlos in Puerto Rico, the, I mean, you mentioned Carlos Colon and everybody know who is. Oh, okay, in in the in the uh, like the, the the main part, like into the biggest time of his hype, right? Did people who weren't really wrestling fans like did you just knew him? In in like how big was how big did his name transcend into the general public of, of Puerto Rico? Big Carlos, Carlos is a huge name here. Okay, I mean, like I say, you you, you mentioned Carlos Colon. Uh, everybody know, everybody know, everybody you know they the, the people. Uh, Puerto Rico is, is, is a, was a tradition uh, going every Saturday to the wrestling because uh, those those years of the 70s, 80s, 90s maybe was strong, still strong too in the 90s. But that, that television here was wrestling Sunday and Sunday. You don't have like now you have many, many sports. You have many things here, there. No, Puerto Rico before had uh, five channels maybe and one of them have wrestling. So every, every Saturday at, at, at noon, Puerto Rico stops wrestling. So when, when the big shows coming, the big uh, uh, anniversary shows coming up, I mean, they bring a lot of guys from the state. Hey, you, 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 have, a, you have a pack house. Of course, Carlos, Carlos Colón is, is no time in Puerto Rico. Okay. Chief, uh, what do you know of Carlos Colón if you wanted to tell me about him? Yeah, even, even a few, what was it, uh, Savio, maybe three or four years ago, um, they brought Carlos back out in Invader, didn't they? And they were like 70. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think it was the biggest crowd that WWC had had in, in like a decade or something. Right. But, but he's, yeah, he's still, he still drew, you know. Still draw, yeah. Yeah, That's I mean, he was, yeah, he was definitely, I mean, they were filling stadiums over there then. And, oh. and, and, and uh, he was definitely like, Hulk Hogan would have been here in the 80s. Like, yeah, I think everybody exactly. on the yeah. island who Carlos Colon was. He transcended yeah. wrestling there for sure. Okay. The, 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 one, of, one, of, one of the stories um, 
the, the they did time was uh, an entire team match where Abdullah the Butcher threw, threw what is uh, maybe the right word, ammonia, 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 yeah, whatever. Ammonia, yeah. Bleach, yeah, yeah. And his eyes, and he was blind. And he was in home, he was in his eyes, sitting down there, can see, blah, 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 all of a sudden, like Trump, he happened, and he had the revenge against uh, Abdullah the Butcher in the pack house. Oh, wow. Okay, Andy, well, if you want to tell me about Carlos Colon. Uh, you know what? Just I think because of the experiences from Savio and Chief, I mean, mine will be relatively limited. I mean, it'll be more <laughs> magazines and then it's there's not as much there. Uh, I would like to make myself the segue into talking about going down the uh, the family lineage and bringing up uh, Carlito and Eddie. Uh, Stacy was in there for a little while. Um, I'm not even sure how many, for, for the, at least for like for the for Carlos's kids. Is there is just the three of them? Was there Eddie, Carly, yeah, and Stacy? Eddie, Eddie, Carly, and Stacy. Yeah. Orlandito yeah. is the cousin. Is the, the cousin? The okay, that's yeah. Okay, so I know for yeah. me, so so for, again, my time being kind of '99 to 2003, um, mm -hmm. that was where. Uh, Carly was, I don't know when he broke in, but I mean, it, it had to be somewhere in that time frame because I know Carly was starting to get the big push yeah. uh, early, kind of like 99, 2000. And then at, at one point in there, they brought Stacy in. So Stacy was involved. Um, I Funny with that, with Stacy, I, I don't I mean, I, obviously I haven't seen what she looks like in 20 some odd years. She was a very attractive woman way back when, and, and I was disappointed I never got a chance to meet her, although apparently I met her one time at this infamous bar named Loopy's, and I didn't even realize it was her, but whatever. Uh, Stacy was there, and then I think towards the end, around 2002, 2003, I think that's when Eddie kind of broke in or somewhere in there. He was kind of he was coming in right around that time. So it kind of be like the early two thousands is when Carly and Eddie were really starting to kind of, kind of break their teeth and coming in. And, and again, baby faces, because that's, you know, that's where you start, right? I mean, unless you're Tully Blanchard, that's how you're, <laughs> how, you're, that's how, you're how you're coming in. And that's, that's, that's what I remember of them. I mean, that was the direct competition to us, what we were doing. That was kind of the, the family level on, on the, the WWC side. Um, Savio, tell us a bit about uh, Carlito. Yeah. He's, he uh, hit the I, big I, WWE. I, Go ahead. Yeah. I remember I remember Carly and Eddie, uh, I don't know, maybe seven, seven, six, seven years old, maybe running in the, in the, in the, in the office. Uh, they have, they just coming from the college. And I remember they have uh, white, white shirts, all dirty. All dirty, and I say that you, you are uh, uh, the cleaning people here. You know what? What you, you look at your shirts, and they're just looking at me and keep running. They playing kids, and and now I have the chance to to work with both. Uh, I work with Carly's with Carly. Uh, uh, we are doing right now. I mean, I've you know six what this stuff is already have uh, the virus have everybody down, but we start a deal. Uh, with the WWC and IWA again, something strong in where we already, we packed two houses. Uh, we just, just the, the, have me in their house and I have Ray in my house. So we have a good, great, uh, you know, money making that, that night. So after that, the, uh, the virus just closed everything down. Uh, we have 
uh, um, many, many uh, storylines to, to tell. Uh, and, and Eddie right now is the, the top heel of the company. Uh, you know, the Carlos Colon, I mean, Carly went heel in WWE. Uh, Carlos don't like that too much, but they, they make it money. So they're happy. So now Eddie's out, Orlandito's out, Carly, of course, of course, is out of there. And, uh, but they're great, great kids. I love those kids. They're, they're I mean, uh, uh, very respectful. I, I have the chance to book uh, Carly uh, in different places that I go. When, when somebody asks me about him, of course I book him. The other day, uh, you know, I call Eddie to, to book him in a different place to sign him and, and stuff like that. We help each other. Uh, just waiting for uh, this virus, you know, the, the leave us alone so mm-hmm. we could come back and, and do good business. And, uh, but they're, they're great guys. And, and in, in the ring, they know what they're doing. I mean, WWE just put them as a double champion uh, I, I believe in, in a couple of times, you know, and uh, th- that's good. A- anyway, they put belts on everybody now uh, <laughs> because that sell that sell toys. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and that's good. But but anyway, they they're good hands and good good great people, and uh, you know, and, and they have their mind open to the business, you know, in, in where they they want to make money. They want and, and and Puerto Rico is still a big uh, a big place to to have a good story. And have a good run, and, and still, you know, to make good money. Okay, all right, Chief. How about you? Uh, working with any of the younger clones? I have. I haven't worked with any of the younger clones. I, I you know, watched them like everybody else grow up, and watched mm-hmm. them on TV. But I, I don't have any personal interaction. Okay. Do, do you have any f- memories like wrestling that you've seen of them that just stuck out to you that you wanted to throw out there to maybe for the casual fan who's not seen any of them? Um, most, you know, of course, most of them are probably, uh, WWE memories, but I, I do mm-hmm. remember, oh, it's probably been, yeah, I guess longer than I thought, probably, probably like six or seven years ago, they, they like Savio said, uh, WWC still brings in, uh, to tries to bring in a big name, at least they were for like their anniversary show every year. And I remember Carlito wrestled Sting on one of the anniversary shows, I, I think probably six or seven years ago now. Well, that's pretty darn cool. So it might have been a little longer. So yeah, um, there's definitely a family of uh, of uh, of note for sure. I mean, a lot of guys coming out of there with a lot of talent, telling a lot of good stories. Um, now there's lots more families. Um, I know. I know. I'm skipping some. There's oh, definitely there's a I mean, lot. We only have so much so time. Many. But we do only have so much time. Maybe we could come back another time because I mean, we still haven't even talked about all the Samoans. Most of them are related, and there's a whole a dozen stories right there from a dozen different guys. Um, But uh, I did very Uh, quick, 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 quick one, quick one. Uh, I worked with Alpha. I worked with yeah, Sika. Worked with Junior of Rikishi. You worked with uh, Yoko. Uh, Worked with uh, Sam. Uh, I mean, I've I've been with the uh, yeah. The my God, work with the 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 one in MLW that, that is with me. Jacob Fatu. Uh, don't work with him, but working backstage. Okay, yeah, Jacob. Uh, yeah, Jacob Fatu. Really? Jacob Fatu. I work with Jacob. Work 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 with his dad too, you know, and I, I work mm-hmm. with the Rock. So I've been working with him. I work with his uh, uh, Johnson. Rocky Johnson. In <laughs> 
I mean, I, I've been I, working I, with almost uh, except the kids, but I've been working with every, all the Samoans. That's mm -hmm. awesome. That's back awesome. in yeah. Back in 1988, I actually worked for Leah Maivia, the Rock's grandmother, and the Rock was like a kid, a little kid back then. Nice. Damn. Well, you know what? Let's talk a bit Great about that people. family. Great people. Yeah, Here I worked we... for Leah over in uh, Hawaii for Polynesian Pro Wrestling, and Lars Anderson was the booker back then. Savio, you, pro you probably worked over there, too, at some point. All right. All right. But the, the Samoans, I mean, what a hell of a hand. I mean, uh, what a hell of a people. I love mm. those guys. It's like... Uh, when we are in WWF, uh, we we talking about hey, we are like this. If we if we come from an island, we have to take care of each other. So that's that's what we did, you know. And I worked with them in Japan as a tag team. I worked with them uh, here in Puerto Rico. And man, I love those Samoans. Great people, love them. It's great, you know. This this family stretches back from you know. You have the Wild Samoans in like the seventies. And all these other guys coming along all through the years. You, you mentioned some of them, Yokozuna. You, uh, yeah. and, and you have them reaching all the way till today. And you go as far as you got Roman Reigns and you got Jacob Fatu, two guys who are, you know, uh, champions or the very top of their cards in, in competing countries. And uh, this just seems like a very rich tradition of uh, guys in this. How many more do we have coming down the line? You know, you still you have Nia Jax even. Is somebody we didn't even mention in this family. Yeah. Um, the only one I ever feel sorry about is poor Samoan Joe, the only Samoan big wrestler who's not walk related walk to any walk. of them. <laughs> so I'm not sure how that happened, but <laughs> somehow he squeaked in there. But uh, the last thing, you know, we've talked about families, and we're going to talk about some more, obviously, down the line. I think we're going to have to do another family with other Absolutely. families. Absolutely. Uh, but this is the part where I want to make it a little interesting. And this is where I'm going to talk to the three of you, and I want some honest uh, honest feelings about this right now okay you've all had long careers you've all uh, dealt with promotions that were built from uh somebody in their family uh is it somewhat frustrating sometimes to go into a territory or a business or a place where it is dominated by a family and you see that no matter what skill level a and i'm not saying think of any particular family but any skill level of maybe the promoter's sons or son or daughter or whatever is being pushed to maybe they're not deserved. Do you ever have that frustration coming into a place where you've dealt with a family thing structure like that, where you're like, okay, the good old family dynamic, how do I find a place in here since I'm not related? Has, has that, have you guys ever felt like that ever in any territory you've ever been in? And I'll start with you, Chief. Or sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, you, you put your hand up, so I was going to give you that. As a oh. Canadian, I had to give the, the freebie. <laughs> the polite okay. respect. Yeah, the flight respect thing. So I'll, I'll, sorry, I'll give you that one first. So, sorry, Chief. The, the, teacher, the, the teacher pick you, pick you up, and then I come and say, oh, my God. <laughs> These Puerto Ricans never change. Uh, 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 no, I, I don't have honest that, uh, that experience. Okay. Uh, because by the time uh, the, the kids, Carly and Eddie was just kids, uh, I have the, the story with the dad, you know, uh, and he was part of owner of the company. So, of course, uh, and he was hot, too, because everything was running around him. Uh, probably if was the different story, uh, Carlos maybe don't success the big time success that he had in Puerto Rico. I don't know. Uh, in the other side, you have a, a guy, I mentioned it, like uh, the invader, they know how to, to take the people in his pocket. I learned how to work with the people 
and, and, and bring the people in my side, you know, uh, and that make you more natural wrestler. But I never have that, 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 um, that experience in where I get to the territory and, and maybe the sons, they are good, but, you know, they're not that good. The people probably to have to, you know, push it to the throw uh, because it's, that is kids. You know, and, and, and let's see what happened here because maybe the story that they try to run uh, don't go with them and they feel that, that, that it is. But you know that when the numbers mm-hmm. come up, when the tickets are sold, if the tickets don't sell, I mean, change it, change that person right away, do different something and what to, to make it better. But I know I know how the experience uh, uh, of that of that matter. Uh, probably a bunch of wrestling from the 70s and 80s, of course, have that, that problem maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Chief, have you ever had that kind of situation where you don't even have to name the territory, obviously, but just somewhere along the lines you went into a place where, okay, it's definitely a family thing and I'm getting paid by this guy to put over his no-talent son. Or <laughs> do you ever get those frustrations? Because I know it does happen. I've heard many wrestlers talk about that. Never really frustrated. I mean, I've, I've, there's been places where I brought in where, where, you know, I'm a big guy, weigh 360 pounds, where they wanted me to put somebody over to help get them over, but I, I didn't have a problem with it. That's what they were paying me to come in and do. Mm-hmm. I, I think back in the day, like, it probably would, like, when, when I started in 86, like, at the tail end of the territories, a, a lot of it, if they were successful, like, let's say, like the Von Eric boys, mm-hmm. they're, nobody's going to complain because they're getting pushed but they are over with the crowd and they're selling tickets and you got paid on the gate back then. Yeah. So just like when Hulk Hogan got big in the, in the WWF, everybody wanted to, you know, they did a shows and B shows, you know, everybody wanted to be on the shows that Hogan was on every day because they were going to be the bigger house. The people on those shows yeah. are going to make more money. So if the people that are being pushed, even if it's like the promoters kids or something, if they're actually legit over and they're drawing houses back then, nobody's going to complain because they're making money. You know, yeah, I, I could see if you're pushing somebody, you're pushing one of your kids and they're not drawing, then people would, would have a complaint with it. But, but the promoters, even even the ones that were fathers back then, I think were pretty smart and knew, you know, they, they want to make money. I think, I think that's why you saw Greg Gagne has AWA world champion, you know. Not that they didn't try. <laughs> not that they didn't try. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't over enough that they were, they were going to bring a big house. They were going to go that direction, yeah. you know. Because in the end, business and the old school promoters, even if they had their kids in a the business, they were about making money. True. Okay. And last one I'm going to ask Andy, you've been around yep. some companies. Have you ever seen that? Like, I know it does happen. Maybe it doesn't affect you whatsoever, but has it ever? I, you know, maybe like to really kind of go through, if I went through a little more detailed history of my career, maybe mm-hmm. I come up with something, but um you know, as you pose the question, then listening to Savio, listening to Chief, like even for me, like the, I, I agree from the business standpoint where, you know, if the family is there and they're doing well and they're making money, mm-hmm. um, you know, no one's going to say anything to me. My thought is, and was, is that even if you go to a territory or if you go to promotion where it's not your know, family run or the family's on top, chances are that promotion is going to have that core group. Mm-hmm. So they may not be blood, but they're still going to be that core group. So one way or another, you're you're kind of butting heads to get into, you know, either the, the family circle or the inner circle. No pun intended yeah. to AEW. But you know what I mean? There's yeah. there's going to be some some core group there mm-hmm. that coming in, you know, 
you know, if maybe if you're 360 pounds and you're the chief, it's going to be maybe a little easier to 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 get in there than somebody that's you know five five ten to two twenty or or whatever. But at the same time, uh, I I know for me for my mindset, especially back then as I got more experience, wherever I was going, I I didn't you know I just wanted to wrestle, I wanted to get paid, and I had a goal I wanted to get to. So. I don't care if, if you were the promoter's son. I don't care if you're a promoter's best friend. If you're on top, if you're you're the best, you're who I want to work with, you know. And then we'll work our way down from there. So it, it to me like it, I understand where there could be the frustration, especially mm-hmm. you know kind of back in the, in, in the more of the territory days where guys might feel like oh well I should be a top spot but so and so's kid is there or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like that's fine. Like you can be there, but if, if that's who's going to be there, I want to be on the other end. Okay. And, you know, and if it's the promoter's best friend, well, cool. Then I want to be working the promoter's best friend, whatever. Okay. And, and at, at the end of the day, you know, it's still a business. So as long as you're getting paid and if it's, if it's back in the day where you're getting paid by the gate, well then hell yeah, you want to be up at the top. You want to be with the best, you know, otherwise, you know, if it's, you're still getting whatever you're getting paid, then to me, I want to be, working with the best i want to be working with the most over because that's going to work well for them then hopefully that's going to rub off on me the pro you know the, the company does better i do better as a brand everybody wins that's you know good business very good okay, okay. well you know what there are a lot of families uh we didn't touch on you know we could have talked about the mcmahon's we could have talked about the armstrong's uh Elio, I think I made a short list. What uh, flares? What else did we miss on that list? In case we uh, run we, out of we, we, had, we had the Guerreros. Oh, we did talk about the Guerreros. Yeah. Okay. Who else we got in there? The, the and, and the, 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 the <laughs> Okay, we have the, the Guerreros and the Poffos. The Poffos. Yeah. The Funks. Heck, we could have talked about the Briscoes if we wanted to go old school too. (laughs) So we're definitely good. We had enough for another show down the line, guys. And and even even just because Savio's on here and Chief, and because we got this Puerto Rican connection here that kind of almost outweighs this. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. Savio said it. You got the Riveras. There's there's Mm -hmm. Savio. There's his brother Dennis. You talked about uh, Perez. There's Jose Miguel Perez Senior. Mira. Mira, yeah, and you yeah. got you got uh, Jose Junior, uh, Hurricane Castillo Senior, Hurricane Castillo Junior. Yeah. I mean, even like the Puerto Rico history and lineage of, of families and stuff. You mm-hmm. know, not as internationally world famous known, but man, there's still a lot of family family ties in the Puerto oh, Rico yeah. history. Too. Are you kidding? I mean, I would love to someday down the road do a, a whole episode just on Puerto Rican wrestling. Book and that. talk about some of the some of the some okay. of the great legendary yeah. stories because that that would be very fun and very interesting. Hell yeah. a bunch of stories. We can bring it on too for that. that. That would be cool. Abdullah the Butcher. That would oh, be yeah. pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> but even 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 with, so, I, mean, yeah. I just want to thank you disrespect, guys. I'm just saying just for what's here. Yeah. The, you know, there's all the Puerto Rican wrestling history here. Even would be just incredible. I would just I mean, love to sit back here. Neil Jr. Uh, tale I could tell you down the road here, but <laughs> was there. All right. Well, you know what? Before before we get going, I'd like each of you guys to plug all your social media stuff. Tell folks where they can buy T-shirts, where to get a hold of you, things, you know, whatever stuff. Because I'm going to put all the stuff on the links to the show too. But let's give all the people ahead. So, Chief, you want to start yours off? Yeah, at the Chief Ada on Twitter, and then on Facebook, Chief Ada Kula Kula, and Rod Atta Kula Kula, two different pages there. 
and then um, Chief underscore Atacula on Instagram. Excellent. Andy? You know what? Let's go Savio next. I mean, I, I think Savio? you go, go go experience here. I'm the greenhorn here, so let, okay. let these gentlemen go first. Savio, what do you want to plug out there, buddy? Well, and uh, you know, the, right now we're working with the IWA, so you could check on IWA and all the uh, platform, and in YouTube we have a show every Saturday at, at noon. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and now we're showing uh, stuff from 2002. So uh, this is the old tapes that we are showing. <laughs> and on Check Andy is uh, on YouTube, <laughs> IWA Puerto Rico, and, and Instagram, and, and uh, uh, Facebook, all that, IWA Puerto Rico. Uh, okay. You can get me, and of course, uh, at Flavio Vega on Twitter, at Ninja TNT and, on Twitter, and Instagram as, as uh, at Tio Savio Vega, Facebook at Savio Vega. But listen, guys, I want to plug here quick. The, yep. uh, the Saturday the 24th, Saturday mm -hmm. the 24th, uh, I go put my foot on Colombia soil. So I'm going to be in the WIG Colombia company, pay-per-view. They call it Evolution Online, which is going to be at 7 o'clock uh, local time over there. Eastern time is going to be 8 o'clock. Uh, so they have this pay-per-view because they have the opportunity to do some wrestling. And uh, so I'm going to be in WIAG Colombia for this evolution. Uh, and uh, I'm happy to be there. It's going to be the first time the nice. Tio Savio Vega will go there. You know what, Andy? In, in our times in IWA, they watch everything from IWA in Colombia. At the same time, they watched, yeah, they, we watched it here in Puerto Rico, the two hours. Yeah. Saturday and Sunday, watching over there in Colombia. So we are very popular in Kosovo. Uh, wow. Let's see what happened with this uh, this uh, pay per view, and it's going to be the beginning of maybe bring the the old timers of IWA to Colombia. Oh. So be ready. Okay. Hopefully, Colombia they have <laughs> enough money they can they can help fly me all the way down from Canada because I know that's always been an issue. <laughs> it's not cheap to fly from Canada to Puerto Rico. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> Andy, do you want to throw yeah. anything out there? All right, don't worry. We we do we do some. Okay. <laughs> uh for me well, I, at, I, I, I know here what oh no sorry. Ahead, sorry yeah for uh at andy anderson pwa on the twitter uh on instagram i'm that guy tcb247 so that's the letters i am t-h-a-t-g-u-y i'm that guy two four two four seven t wait i'm that guy tc I can't even, I'm still laughing. I'm still thinking of Savio stuff here making me laugh. Let's try this again on the Instagram. I'm that guy. I can't even do my, I'm that guy TCP. I'm that guy TCP247. Thank you. Thank well, your you, son. Your son came through. Your son came through. There we go. For you, for you. So letters I am T H A T G U Y T C B two four seven. I'm that guy T C B two four seven. As Savio mentioned at the start of the show, uh, you can see me uh, picking up things and putting them down and doing some exercises and uh, reliving my glory days of wrestling, especially my fun times in Puerto Rico. And only a boy from Winnipeg nice. would put taking care of business somewhere in the initials. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, folks. We had a great time talking wrestling. Uh, you know what? Thank you. Elio, first of all, throw out our plugs. What the heck? Let's get them out there. Where hey, people are going to write into? So you can write in on Facebook at Wrestling POV Podcast, Instagram Wrestling POV 1, and Twitter Wrestling POV. 
Right. And you can find us and we have some other shows. We have our weekly uh, global show, uh, sometimes featuring Andy Anderson, where we go very deep into looking what each episode of AEW Dynamite's like. And scary enough, we're coming up on our 100th episode this week, Andy. Yeah, in conjunction with the one-year anniversary of AEW. That is so weird. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, but uh, you can find us on TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Podbean. Podbean, MySpace, what other other platforms out there I'm sure we're going to be on. Wherever Uh, a better podcast are sold. Yeah, (laughs) this show, WPBOV Quarantine, you can find us all those places, plus on Facebook, and you can find our lovely visages on YouTube. So uh, smile, guys, you're all going to be handsomely looking up there. And uh, you can also find our sister show, WPOV Wrestling, where it's a deep look into uh, the WWE Weekly, hosted by Rick Serrano the third. Who? who the hell is that? As Savio said, who? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. And Tony Diaz. <laughs> Catch those guys uh, every week on this same network. And guys, I had a really fun time. This was exciting. We got to talk about some cool stuff. And I want to thank you guys for popping in. Uh, fans, wrestling history is rich with families. Uh, whether it be families that uh, come from a promoter and having a bunch of offspring who wrestled and made their company, or from brothers and sisters and whatnot, as we've seen, fathers and sons traveling through the wrestling world. And uh, it's been a rich history with some rich stories and a lot of cool stuff. And I just want to say, once again, it was great talking with these guys. People, this COVID stuff, it's going to end someday soon. All I can say is be nice to each other. You know, as the Canadians on here will tell you, it's not that hard. Just be nice. Uh, wash your damn hands. And uh, you know what? Wear a mask only if it's just not to offend somebody else. You know what? Just be cool. Folks, we'll talk to you next week. Elio. All right, fans, we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you. Elio, you talk too much.